are you? I'm not really sure. No. You are Elijah Wood? Yeah, yeah. Frodo! Yeah, otherwise known as Elwood by friends. And what the hell are you doing right here? You were DJing tonight, Elijah. I was DJing uh, the rap party of a movie that, that uh, a bunch of us filmed here uh, in Vancouver called Try 17. And what were you DJing tonight? All sorts of different stuff. We've got The Cure going now, but I had a lot of hip-hop and funk and all crazy, silly stuff. It's the chill-out music, using The Cure to drive the people out. Now it's, yeah, exactly. People are having their last drink, relaxing. So, so Elijah, you were in Back to the Future 2. Not, Back to the Future 2? Not many people know this. Nardware, you've done your homework. I'm very excited by Back to the Future, though, because did you realize Crispin Glover was shooting a movie in town just recently? No. Shooting the movie Willard, and he was in Back to the Future 2? He was in Back to the Future 1. Oh. Actually, I think he was in Back to the Future 2, and he had to sue to get himself out of it. Yes, he was. So what were you doing in Back to the Future 2, Elijah? That's pretty strange. You must have been very young. I, I was young. I was eight years old, and uh, it was one of the first movies I ever did, actually. And uh, it was cool, man. I was on, like, this futuristic set, and I, I played a kid trying to work Duck Hunt. Remember the old video game Duck Hunt? You don't remember Duck Hunt? No, I don't. Help me. Aren't you a child of the 80s or the 70s? Maybe the 60s, eh? No. <laughs> How old are you, by the way, Elijah? You. How old are you, Elijah? <laughs> I'm 21. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. So, Back to the Future 2, Crispin Glover was in town. You could have had a little reunion with him. He was shooting the movie Willard. I could have, but I don't think he would have remembered me. I worked for a day. And what exactly were you doing again? You were just playing a video game, that's it? Trying to work an old video game in a, in a thing called the Cafe 80s. Now, you're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and you're staying at the Sutton Place Hotel under a little assumed name. I won't give it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Sutton Place seems to be Little Hollywood. That's what I was curious about. Who have you, like, bumped into since you've been in town here, Elijah? Who have I bumped into? I, I've seen a lot of actors, none that I can name. It's like Ivana Trump was in there? She was. Like, what the hell's going on there, Elijah? Uh, Franca Potente, who was working in the movie as well, uh, spotted her. I didn't notice her, but she spotted her. So who have you bumped to in the lobby, you know, in a certain place? There must be some people. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I, I've bumped into people, but I've not said anything to them. I tend to keep to myself. <laughs> You've done a lot of extremely boring. You've done a lot of exploring of record stores, though. Sing the praises of Scratch Records, if you could. Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, do you want me to literally sing? I can. Yeah, if you could, please, Elijah. Scratch, scratch, scratch. So they provided you with Trail of Dead records. They did, yes, and Clinic, and all sorts of other things as well, and uh, two White Stripes bootlegs. Really? And what other sort of music are you into? Because like people are probably gonna freak out when they hear you're like into the White Stripes or you're into the Sonics. Are you like the only Hollywood dude into the Sonics? Maybe. I hear you. That's your favorite band. They are. I love the Sonics. Sonics are awesome. Are there any closet punkers in Hollywood? Have you come across anybody with cool music taste? Because I understand you want to take your music taste and even turn it into a record label. I'd love to. Eventually, yeah. I, I don't know many actors that are that into music, to be honest. Nobody. Not that I can think of. What else did you buy? I'm obsessed. I don't know many people like me. Elijah, I don't either. And you are Elijah Wood, live here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, backstage at Section 3, you, you, where you've been DJing the cast party, the rap party. The rap party of Try 17. Try 17, a new movie you're going to be pumping soon. That's true. You also went to some gigs, too, the Von Bondies. The Von Bondies. And, and the, the Soledad brothers who opened up for them, who I think are better. Really? You heard it here first from Elijah Wood? Oh, God, I hope they don't hear that. I, oh, that's terrible. Okay, well, what else would you like to sing the praises of there, Elijah? Like, what other music did you pick up in Vancouver? What other gigs did you go to? 
Um, I haven't been to any other gigs. That's the only gig I, I got to make it to. But how other bands? You know, I'd love to, to give some press to Verbena. I'm a huge Verbena fan. Do you know Verbena? No, I don't. Explain me, please, Elijah Wood. They are a band from Alabama. Uh, they're very bluesy kind of rock and roll. They put out an album in 1997 called um, Souls for Sale. That's brilliant. And the record after that, Into the Pink, was produced by Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters and Nirvana fame. Uh, and their new album is coming out this summer, and it's going to be awesome. So do you have any influence on the soundtracks? Usually the soundtracks for these movies are awful. For, yeah. Yeah. Tr- for Try 17, Elijah, are you going to have any input? Believe me, if there's anything I can say about it, it's not going to be terrible. Have there been any movies you've had an input in? Um, I, no. No, there hasn't. But I, I plan to do something with this, hopefully. Now, you don't like metal, do you? Metal? I heard you don't like heavy metal. I like old metal. But I heard you don't like heavy metal or country music or rap. Oh, that, no, that's old news. I love rap. I'm glad you've changed. Yes, uh, I, I love country, actually. <laughs> old country. And heavy metal, Black Sabbath is probably where my heavy metal... Exactly. That's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the Osbournes. Like, how could you hate metal and you're on the Osbournes? I love the Osbournes. Now, when you got on that show, did you ever think it would end up being the number one rated show in America? I wasn't surprised. They're absolutely fascinating to watch and to be a part of. They're great people. Now, on a particular episode, you were cleaning up, was it dog urine? Dog urine, yeah. One of the, they've got many dogs that like to shit and, and urinate everywhere. And, uh, yeah, they urinated on the couch, so I had to clean up. And then you ended up going to a Smashing Pumpkins gig, which is pretty ironic, too, because doesn't Sharon Osbourne hate the pumpkins? She hates Billy Corgan. Oh, yes, please. Hello. Elijah Wood backstage here at Section 3 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, shit. Um, yes, 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 yes. The, she used to represent Billy Corgan and now hates him. But I actually went and saw Zwan that night, which is Billy Corgan's new band. You love the pumpkins, don't you? I do love the pumpkins. Elijah Wood, here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, yeah. did you see that the Fox Cinema had a little presentation of Meet the Feebles? No, when? Yes, the Fox Cinema, an old porno theater, had a presentation, actually do porno during the week, and they do criminal cinema on the weekends, and they had a special exclusive of Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. Oh my God. Now, what can you tell the people about Meet the Feebles and Peter Jackson, Elijah? Well, Meet the Feebles is, uh, is basically the Muppets on acid. Uh, the Muppets doing porn. And that as well, and, and eating shit and all sorts of other wonderful things. Uh, it's a really early movie of, of Peter Jackson's, and it's all Muppet sort of stuff. And how the hell did he get Lord of Rings out of Meet the Feebles? I mean, what an amazing indie film that is. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, Heavenly Creatures, for that matter. Brilliant. He's a brilliant director. And it's like all of the puppets Meet the Feebles, too, isn't it? Do you know where he keeps those puppets? They're all housed in the Weta Effects building. Weta is a, is a company that he made with Richard Taylor uh, back during Meet the Feebles. So, they're all there. They're all in New Zealand. Does he shower much? Um... Yes. Yes, he does. I think he has to. He works very hard. Elijah Wood, you've been here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, working on the movie Try 17. And I was wondering if you'd like to comment at all, if you could hold this, please, Elijah, on the cover of the province newspaper here. And if you notice the headline, what does the headline there say? Uh, Hobbit and friends snuggle at game. Lord of the Rings, Elijah Wood, and actor Franca Potente step out for the playoffs. And I love when you open the paper, it has, he's the Lord of... 
the rink. No. Which they just love to do those cheesy taglines in, in relation to that film, don't they? It's fantastic. In fact, I saw an ad for tires the other day that said, Lord of the Rims. An ad, a big uh, billboard ad. Uh, you That'd be a good name for a porno, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Lord of the Rim. Yes. And Elijah Wood is a great porno name, isn't it? Uh, is it? Like Elijah Wood. That would be a great name. Oh, the Wood. Yes, yes, it is. Like Elijah. I, I didn't know whether to be offended or to go with that, but I understand. Elijah, teach me about your sword. Yes. <laughs> and your little stinger. Yes. But I was just curious, could you comment on, like, what's it like when you, you know, you roll into town, you go to the hockey game, which I also understand you were a bit repulsed by. It was a bit rough, wasn't it, for you? Uh, it was a sad game. Sad game. Sad to see Vancouver lose the, the title. But did you realize that you'd be, like, photographed in the box? Did you think that was a private box? Uh, yeah. Well, oddly enough, it, is a, it was a press box we were sitting in. So we were kind of asking for it, I guess. But for some reason, you just assume that you have some anonymity? Anonymity? Yeah, anonymity. Um, but yeah, that, I don't know. It's weird to see that. Have a lot of people come by the set of the movie? I heard like about a thousand kids have come by the set of the movie. I know we're bugging you here at the rap party of Try 17, but did a lot of kids come by the set? A lot of kids. Like a thousand kids? Uh, maybe if you counted them all throughout the entire filming schedule, probably. And they were all looking for your autograph? Yeah. Were they all dressed as hobbits, too? Or what was, was there any interesting people that showed up there? Oh, they were all, incidentally, they were all Catholic schoolgirls. Which is very convenient for you. I don't know. <laughs> but what other stuff did they present you with? <laughs> What's that? What other stuff did they present you with? Like, did you get any neat gifts from it all, Elijah? Yeah, well, there's actually an interesting gift. Um, you'll remember this. Uh, there was an interview that I had in Rolling Stone magazine. And you mentioned the sea and cake. Yes. Which you mentioned the sea and cake. Which I love. Which I is love. amazing to give them props. Oh, massive props. And the hives, too. Yeah, massive props. Good things. And Amoeba Records in L.A. Good things. Have you been there? No, I've been to one in San Francisco and Berkeley, but not the L.A. one. It's L.A. But you're singing the Rolling Stone. Time, Nardwar. I'd love to hook up with you and go record shopping. I understand you know all the clerks there, too. <laughs> well. We could go to the Pasadena Swap Meet together, too. There you go. Anyway, what was I talking about? You were talking about the Rolling Stone article about the gift. All right, so the gift. So in the Rolling Stone article, I mentioned this thing about Viggo Mortensen, who was in uh, Lord of the Rings with me, and he had this fascination with the word cunt. I don't know if this is going to air on television. I don't know if you can say that. But anyway, I, I described this story. The word kind of became a joke on the set, and so these girls who had read the article brought me a T-shirt that said Cunt Coover. Whoa! Yeah, I'll never, I'll never wear that shirt. Just so you know. It's your influence. You're a role model. <laughs> That's terrible, though, to influence girls with something like that. But anyway, yeah, that was that was their idea of being in on the joke. But uh, I think it offended more uh, Vancouverites than I thought. And some of the girls or people are boys. Were there many boys that came by to get your autograph at all, Elijah? Not many, thankfully. What did the boys usually look like? Aside from me. Um, I don't remember. How far did they travel from, these people, to get your autographs? Uh, there was actually two girls that traveled. Was it from Edmonton? Yeah, two girls drove from Edmonton uh, to, to, to drive to the set to meet me and then literally drove right back home again. And I told them, I said, so you've driven all the way from Edmonton. Are you going to be in Vancouver for a couple of days and enjoy the city? And they're like, no, we're going to get right back home. And I was like, well, at least make it worth your while. And there we have co-stars from your movie. 
Yes. Introduce them, please, if you could there, Elijah Wood. Oh, oh, sorry, that's my job. This is Franca Potente. And then here we have Jessica, who, who provided fantastic wardrobe for the movie. And these are all the people here gathered together at Section 3. This is Charles, uh, the writer of the film. The movie Try. 17. This is Joey from production. This is from uh, all the people from Try 17. Do you eat back here? I want to be on TV, too. So did you also venture to Douglas Copeland's house for dinner? I was at Douglas Copeland's house for dinner, yeah. And what was that like? Oh, I don't know. He didn't even cook. He didn't change. I don't know. He was a nice guy. <laughs> He's a nice guy. He's a great writer. That's the important thing. Too much art. Very 1970s. Uh, too much, though. Too much. Nice. Nice art. He had a Brillo box from Andy Warhol. I was impressed by that. With a pillow box from Andy Warhol? Brillo box. Shows how much I know, eh? Were you, were you discovered in, like, a washroom? Yes, I was. Like some guy followed you in there? Some girl followed me. A casting agent followed me. Yes. And now you're here with Elijah Wood starring in the movie Try? 17. You like sandwiches, don't you? I, I love sandwiches. How does he know? <laughs> what type of sandwiches do you like? I, I love cheese. I, I know you like cheese. You know, I love club sandwiches. Those are my favorite. Salami. Well, she, she made this fantastic thing, this salami bagel. with Basically, it's margarine. Uh, salami and a, and a toasted bagel. Unbelievable. I the salami bagel. I think you should patent that. Now, one day on the set of Try 17, I understand Blondie visited. This is true. <laughs> now, what exactly did Blondie do, Franca, there with uh, your friend Elijah Wood? She fucking kissed him, and I wasn't there, you know. That bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah, what was it like making it with Blondie? That's incredible. Like, how old are you, Elijah, again? Uh... 35? 21. And how old is Blondie? I'm not really sure. 57. Is she? Like you have a wet dream fantasy scene with Blondie. That's incredible, Elijah. It was very <laughs> surreal. It was great. And Try 17 is about? Try, oh, hey. Try 17 is, oh my God. It's, a, it's sort of a coming of age story about this kid named Jones who moves to a house which is basically sublet into various apartments. And the story is basically about the relationship he, he has with the tenants of this of this house, um, and what that does to his life, and how that changes his life, and and uh, you know the journey that that takes him on, basically. Where does the wet dream sequence fit into everything? There's a lot of jizzing and wet dreaming going on, isn't there, Elijah? Well, there there certainly is with uh, with Blondie. Um, she plays a character named Mom Mabley, that is very voluptuous and very forward, that uh, Jones uh, dreams about. Yeah. And you are the guy that dreams about her. Yes, I am. And you actually get to make out with her as well. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Continuing on here, Elijah Wood, I was curious, and again, we're backstage here with Elijah Wood backstage at the Section 3 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the rap party for Try 17. Try 17. So, Elijah Wood, Try 17, with Lord of the Rings, you all got group tattoos, didn't you? We did, yeah. You can't show me your group tattoo from Lord of the Rings because it's an awkward place, right, Prince Albert? It, it is. It's in a it's in a lower region. But, um, we yeah, we all got tattoos. It, it's Elvish for nine. It means the nine members of the fellowship. So will everybody for Try 17 be getting tattoos at all there, uh, Elijah Wood? I don't think so. Maybe down the road. <laughs> Tell me about Paula Abdul. That was the first job I ever had is a Paula Abdul video for Forever Your Girl. And what did you do? 
I, I played an executive at a table and I broke a pencil because I was angry and, and depressed that I'd uh, ended a relationship. And how old were you? Eight. And David Fincher directed the video. Now, kicking ahead to Try 17, I understand Mandy Moore was in that, is in Try 17. Yes, she is. So, uh, who is a better dancer, Paul Abdul or Mandy Moore? I haven't seen Mandy dance, but Paul Abdul's pretty good. Winding up here with uh, Elijah Wood, um, tell me this, working with Dan Quayle. Yes, in the Wavy Lays commercial. Potato chips. Yes, that's right. For the Super Bowl commercial. That was good fun. Super Bowl? It was a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. He was, he was a good sport because it was the whole potato joke. Because he'd misspelled potato and put an E on it in a classroom. So it was a way to poke fun at him, and he dealt with it very well. He's a good guy. Elijah Wood, I know you're kind of bored of the rings, bored of the rings. But can I ask you something about Lord of the Rings? Sure. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Babe Buell. Her mom, Babe Buell. Did you meet Babe Buell, Liv Tyler's mom? No. The legendary rock groupie. She never came down. Do you know that Babe Buell claims that every song Elvis Costello wrote about her, it's about her? Really? Yeah. I had no idea. And wasn't David Bowie also in the movie almost as well? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think so. He may have been, but I don't think so. Have there been any games associated with Lord of the Rings? Like drinking games. I heard it like there's some drinking games. Every time like a hobbit cries, there's a drinking game. Is there? Yeah, have you learned about any of this sort of thing? No, I'm sure there's a, there's a whole subculture of Lord of the Rings that I don't know about. Now, Franca Potentia, you're also in the movie Try 17, are you not? No. <laughs> yes, you are. Please don't try to get out of it that way. Now, what was it like working in Blow with Pee Wee Herman and Anastasia Blue? Anastasia who? Anastasia Blue, the porn star. You worked with, like, Pee Wee Herman and the porn star Anastasia Blue, the ex-porn star in Blow. <laughs> who did she play? I'm not sure, but she was in there. <laughs> well, I didn't meet her, but Pee Wee was cool. And how much running did you do for Run Lola Run? Did you prepare a lot? Did you run a lot? No. No training? No. I smoke too much. <laughs> and right now you got a movie coming up after this Try 17 with Matt Damon? Yeah, The Born Identity. Now, what's this about the sex scenes? The sex scenes being edited out of the movie. How dare they? You I want to see you in a... Papers. There's actually, you know what? I don't know. There's no sex scene, though. There's a kissing scene. I heard it was edited out. I wanted to see you have sex with Matt Damon. I want to see that too. But we didn't ever shot it. <laughs> oh, damn. I, I'm, I have no comment on that. Elijah Wood. I don't particularly want to see that, so. Elijah Wood, Try 17 is the movie you're pumping now. Yeah. However, the movie Lord of the Rings still rings strong with a lot of people. Some Tolkien fans have said, I've stopped trying to figure out Elijah Wood. He simply is too weird. I, I, I take that as a compliment. I like being too weird. Yeah, what is your relationship with those super uber Tolkien fans? What is your relationship with those people? Um, there's really no relationship, but, uh, <laughs> the, no, I, look, I think we made a movie that was for the fans, and any of their kind of appreciation for the film and the books, I totally respect and love, so. At the Oscars this year, were you there, Franca? I was watching Elijah on the TV in L.A. And I was watching you on the TV as well. Now, what's the deal with Ian McClellan holding his boyfriend's hand and you looking away? 
Did you look away? I looked away? There was a shot of you. You were looking away from Ian McClellan when he was holding his boyfriend's hand. And I also was just curious if those kind of, uh, what was going through your mind at that time? I think what was going through my mind is, oh my God, there's another two hours of this. Did you notice Jello Biafra at the Oscars? Was he there? He was played in a little clip beforehand, one of those little vignettes. Jello Biafra was at the Oscars. Oh, he was in those those things talking about movies and stuff. Isn't that incredible? Jello Biafra was there. Oh, God bless Jello. He's in your record collection too, isn't he? Uh, I don't actually have any Dead Kennedys in my record collection, which is terrible. We saw Fugazi tonight. I saw Fugazi CD tonight. I do have some Fugazi. So that's kind of there connected. Yes. And are there many other punkers in Hollywood? I asked this before, but I mean, you know, Jello at the Oscars. I mean, have you bumped into Rollins or any of the other punkers or anything like that? I haven't. But you know, do you know who David Cross is? Do you ever watch Mr. Show? Yeah, Mr. Show. Yeah. yeah, have you ever interviewed David Cross? No, I have not. Good guy. You should try and interview him if he comes to Vancouver. But David Cross is a big kind of punk fan. <laughs> the Goonies. Sean Astin. Connect where you're going with this. The Goonies. Yes. Incredible, Sean Astin. Awesome. One of my all-time favorite movies. And that means you're connected to E.T. and Star Wars. <laughs> yes, I am, I guess. So there's a connection between Elijah Wood and E.T. and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. I mean, you've got it all. That's pretty cool. I can, I can quit my job now. Have you ever hung out with Corey Feldman? No. Have you ever met him at all? No. And in the movie Lord of the Rings, is there a scene where you can like be seen in your brown shoes? I never wore shoes. I thought there was like a scene where you were wearing shoes. Like you could look really closely. You can wear see brown shoes. And um, scale doubles. Because we had people that were really... People that were paid scale to be your double? No, just really small people that were of scale for the hobbits. <laughs> How could they be... I mean, no offense, Elijah, but how could they be smaller than you? Because you're pretty small. I am pretty small, Nodware. Thank so you for have, mentioning that. Yeah, did they, I didn't mean to. Um, I mean, I mean, sorry, you're big. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, well, actually, I... Uh, I accepted it. It's fine, Nodware. I'm seven foot five, so you're six one. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, we've, it's all trickery. Was there any trickery used in the filming of Lord of the Rings oh. to make you look smaller or bigger? We had the small, uh, the small people, and then we also had like blue screen and forced perspective where you had someone up close and someone far away and you shoot it at such an angle that they look side by side one taller than the other all sorts of different stuff Elijah Wood winding up here you're in Vancouver shooting at Tri-17 you've done a lot of movies it's incredible I just, I'm so honored to speak to you you were in Internal Affairs this is true with Richard Gere now I know that movie because Richard Gere had anal sex in that movie he did? yes he did I don't remember that. There's a scene for him coming from behind. Wow. I had no idea. Now, you also were in Black and White with Robert Downey Jr. And you were in Paradise with Don Johnson. Yeah. Now, what do you remember about Don Johnson and Robert Downey Jr.? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a brilliant... Um, like, first thing that pops in your head about that movie when you think about it, there must be some little scene. Yeah, well, there was a scene that was cut out of black and white where Robert Downey Jr. was actually masturbating to Michael Tyson. And it was cut out? It was cut out. You were also in The Good Son. With Macaulay Culkin. Now, The Good Son, that's a weird title, isn't it? Because Macaulay Culkin wasn't the son, and he wasn't good. He was the nephew. What's going on there? Why was it called The Good Son? Uh, because he was the son of the, his mother... And he, uh, maybe it was the good son because I'm the good son? I don't know. Did you go to his wedding, Macaulay Culkin's wedding? No. no. Have you been hanging out with him at all? No, I haven't seen him in years. Are you jealous, though, Elijah Wood? Because Macaulay Culkin got to be in a Sonic Youth video. That is pretty damn cool. Off of uh, which album? Sunday. Yes, and that was from the, uh, the what, how, what, what record was that? 
That was their last record. No, it was not their last record. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. And all you got to be in was like a Cranberries and Paula Abdul video? That's true. So he's kind of beat you there, but you're going to change everything, because are you going to start your own record company? I hope so. Yeah, I'd love to. I love music, so maybe eventually. And, um, well, uh, thank you very much, Elijah Wood. Anything else you'd like to add to the people out there at all? Uh, I love BC Canada. I do. For the record stores. Just for the people. It's beautiful. And Vancouver's a wonderful place. I've been here quite a lot, so I love Vancouver. Were you ever on the Arsenio Hall show? I was. I was, actually, just before it ended. What was that like? It was awesome, and I'm glad I got to do it so that I, before it got cancelled. Did you get to go whoop whoop and all that? Uh, no. Who were you on with? I have no idea. Like, what is your relationship when you do those shows, like, you know, Conan or all those late night shows? Know them kind of by association, but don't, it's not like I go on and we're hanging out. And Try 17 is coming out when? Try 17, don't know. Could be late summer, could be early next year. I'm not really sure. Well, thanks so much, Elijah Wood. Why should people care about Elijah Wood? Why should people care? Oh, Nardwar. Such a self-serving answer as it's going to be. Um, I don't know. Because you know the Prime Minister of Canada. Do I? Yes, you do. I do? His name is? I don't know. Jean? Pierre? Jean Chrétien. Oh, okay. Jean Chrétien. Actually, I asked that to Dan Quayle, and he didn't know who the Prime Minister of Canada was either. Must have been the, like, the curse of the Lay's commercial you were in with Dan Quayle. Maybe because I know Nardwar now. Well, thanks so much. Anything else like to add to the people out there at all, Elijah? Nothing else. Try 17. Try 17. Please try it. Please. And keep on rocking the free world, and do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Well, we hope you're still listening. The 20th anniversary of the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, celebrated by 20 hours versus 20 years. Yes, 20 hours straight. We're going here on CITR Radio. I'm Nardwar, the human serviette. Started yesterday at 9 p.m. and going straight till today at 5 p.m. That's 20 hours representing 20 years of the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show. And I am Nardwar the Human Serviette. The show started in October 1987 and will at least continue till and hopefully will continue to well, actually, did continue to October 2007, and now we're in November, so I can say it did continue till October 2007. So 20 years of Denardwari Human Serviette Radio Show, celebrated by 20 hours worth of interviews. And if you have any requests of any interviews you'd like to hear, that you might have heard me saying over the years, heard me talking about, because, yes, some of these you may have heard before, 604 822 2487, that's 604 UBC CITR, or you can email in at nardwar at nardwar.com. Have a giant, giant bag here of old tapes all filed away nicely so we can go through them and play your request. Or if there's something 
that isn't there, as I've been saying, tell me, and I can do the interview for the 30th anniversary show. Well, I could do it next week, but then save it for the 30th anniversary show. Did do this once before for the 11th anniversary. Just forgot about the 10th. What did you hear? Well, if you tuned in at 9 p.m. last night, you would have heard my interview with DOA from October 16th, 1987. That was Dave Gregg of DOA. Then we heard some little snippets from my radio show between 87 and 91. I'm Nardward Human Serviette. And then some more snippets between 91 and 1997. Then we heard Alice Cooper from June 4th, 1994. Then we heard Iggy Pop from March 15th, 1996. Then we heard Lydia Lunch from January 19th, 1996. Then we heard Sonic Youth from April 17th, 1991. Then we heard Henry Rollins from August 14th, 1998. And it was actually a request from Vern. Then we heard Crispin Glover from March 17th, 1995. Then we heard Harlan Ellison from May 15th, 1992. Then we heard Tommy Lee from March 17th, 2000. Then we heard, by request from Kevin, Courtney Love, a little snippet there, Courtney Love from 1993. Then we heard an interview with Beck from June the 10th, 1994. Then we heard Tommy Chong from August the 20th, 1993. Then we heard Al Goldstein from December 31st, 1999. Then we heard William Cooper from February 26th, 1993. Then we heard Robert Anton Wilson from November 8th, 1996. Then we heard Bill Line from June 30th, 1995. Then we heard Bill Casing from July 22, 2005. Then we heard The Avengers from January 8th, 1999. Then we just heard now Elijah Wood from May 2nd, 2002. In that interview with Elijah Wood, Elijah Wood asked me if I've interviewed David Cross. Actually, I have interviewed David Cross. We haven't played it yet, or I'm not sure if we will play it on this 20th anniversary special, but it is available at nardwar.com. And again, you can also email nardwar at nardwar.com if you'd like to hear any requests. So it's weird how things change. As you listen to interviews, Elijah's asked me if I talked David Cross. I had not, but now I have. So thank you, Elijah, for that suggestion. Right now, here is an interview with Timothy Leary from January 1994. Timothy Leary. Before Timothy Leary experimented, or when he was experimenting, he hung out a lot with Richard Alpert. Rabba Bam Das. Bingo! The wild geese do not intend to cast their reflection. The water has no mind to receive their image. If I could sing or play an instrument for you, I would sing and play an instrument for you. If I could dance for you, I would dance for you. If I could paint for you, I would paint for you. But my thing is words. 
worry. But the problem about words is that you may listen to them. And that would be a mistake. For all I am doing is painting with words. And the message that is being sent is nonverbal. Anything you write down in a notebook to take home, to think about, forget it. For in fact, I'm not going to say anything that you don't know already. This is your body. Can you flow with fire blood through each tissued corridor? Throb to the pulse of life. Can you throb to the pulse of life? Let your heart pump you down long red tunnels. Can you let your heart pump you down long red tunnels? Stream into cell chambers. Can you let your heart become central pump house for all human feelings?
Leary, the news from Washington is there is no news. What's the news now from Timothy Leary? Oh, wow, that's a complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are approaching the 21st century. It is going to, uh, everybody knows that the old systems are over, communism and uh, yes. everybody knows it. Everybody knows that every politician is corrupt and is interested in only one thing, uh, himself. And uh, there is a, a global sense of sorrow and grief because we, we hate to lose our, our ideals. But then, uh, at the turn of the century, a, a, new, a new species will be born. It, it's going to be born... I mean, there's a global language which will be, I know it sounds funny when I say this, but it's based on Nintendo. And the Nintendo kids will then suddenly be sending um, history and religion. You know, <laughs> see? That sounds scary. And, what? That sounds scary. Well, you can be scared if you want. You want. You like the old way. You can go back. <laughs> I don't like yeah. the old way. Name of the cross. Are you the Hugh Hefner of LSD? Now, that is the dumbest question. Dumb. I want to award. Who's got the award? I mean, <laughs> I want to congratulate you. I have been uh, interviewed thousands of times, and I've met the greatest professional <laughs> crazed interviewers. And you're right up there with. Oh, he's the <laughs> best. He's, like, he's the Joe, Joe Montana, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm Nardwar the human serviette, Timothy Leary. You are, you sure? I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Is going through life without a psychedelic experience like going out life, going throughout life without a sexual experience? Well, I'd hate to have either <laughs> way of life. People ask me how many times have I taken LSD. Now, I've been experimenting with the brain for like 40 years, you know. I say, it's like, how many times have I made love? I don't count, like Will right. Chamberlain, the basketball player. But there's one thing I know, not enough. <laughs> not enough. When was the last time you were busted? Oh, about uh, seven or eight years ago. Did you have any trouble at the border here, coming into Canada? I had an enormous amount of bureaucratic red tape. Uh, enormous cost me several thousand dollars to get lawyers and so forth. <laughs> but um, I, uh, they uh, they finally came through. You know, they asked me, 
you laugh at this. To show that I have been rehabilitated, they want the names and addresses of uh, prominent uh, respectable citizens, like uh, clergymen <laughs> or politicians. And I said, well, yeah, I, I will give you the names of the uh, two uh, officials from each of the four u state universities <laughs> that, that uh, brought me up here. So. <laughs> That was a bad move, huh? <laughs> did you really meet Charles Manson in prison, Timothy Leary? And did he really supply you with some hallucinogenics, i.e. marijuana? No, uh, I, I was in the same cell uh, next to Manson for one night. Legends have developed about that. Um, he did not give me any drugs. I would never take any drug from anyone who does not have the qualities in their eye that I want from that drug. So I never take drugs uh, from Manson. This is, this is Tim's tips to the young, okay? <laughs> don't, don't, don't get drugs from Manson. Okay. How, about, how about Elvis? What about Elvis? Did you ever meet Elvis Gilligan or Frank Sinatra? I've met Frank Sinatra, uh, who is a very suave and uh, courteous uh, mafioso. <laughs> Bill Gates? Yes, I know uh, Bill quite well. No. How about Brian Wilson? Would he be the same today if he didn't do LSD in the 60s? Be, a, be different for him, huh? <laughs> you think it made a difference on his life, on Brian Wilson's life? Well, it ended it. <laughs> How come? I know, are, you, are we talking about the same thing? You're kind of getting off here. So why, why is Brian Wilson the way he is today, and why are you are the way you are today? I thought you meant the one from the uh, Rolling Stones, from the... Um, no, not Brian Jones. No, Brian Jones. No, Brian Wilson as in, you know, fun, 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 fun. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm a kindly man. I, I try to say nothing negative about anyone, but uh, I've always considered Brian Wilson to be a, uh, a p pathetic moron. <laughs> I mean, he, he, it's not his fault. The DNA, you know, they have to have morons out there, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think that he's a charmless or anything evil, but he's just plain, uh, his elevator doesn't reach top floors there, so. Speaking about childs, um, are you related to Winona Ryder or Uma Thurman at all? Last night, I had the pleasure of being uh, Winona Ryder's home in Beverly Hills, where we watched on her big screen, her winning the award for the uh, Best Supporting Actress in uh, Days of Innocence. Her brother, young brother, was with her, and I was sitting next to uh, David Furman, the rock and roller from... Uh, uh, What's it from? Yeah, that's Dave Perner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yes, I, uh, I'm very, very close to Winona. I think she's a brilliant, brilliant person. Uh, Winona Thurman's mother was my uh, wife. We first met. We were on a, I was on my honeymoon with Uma Thurman's mother when I met you in Calcutta. Remember the tall blonde woman? Yes. Yeah. That's Uma Thurman. She's the mother of a famous actress now. No, I remember her. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Did JFK Timothy Leary ever do acid? I don't know. They, they say he did. <laughs> but you dropped with Marilyn Monroe, didn't you? Uh, no comment. I don't, uh, after all, we have to keep certain. You don't, you don't drop and tell. <laughs> have you ever made money off your work? I have ended up every month of my life in the hole. I have lived basically, you can't believe, 
the debts I have. Uh, I basically live on the largest and uh, uh, compassion of my friends. I work my ass off. Uh, but I knew that. It's the job of a philosopher. Uh, particularly a Socratic philosopher who teaches young people, corrupts their minds by telling them to think for themselves. It's, it's a hard job. Someone has to do it. Badly paid. Can be dangerous to your health. Is there a patent for acid? Is somebody actually making money off it? I don't know much about details. Uh, I don't think they're making much money, but uh, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not into chemistry and finance. Well, how does it make you feel that more people, more young people are doing acid today than ever before? Well, I don't think around uh, at night, you know, uh, tossing and turning on the pillow. <laughs> anyway, there are a million more things happening. Um, and again, what does that mean, Acid? Uh, because the government's policy of restriction and uh, the government does not regulate or uh, help you know what acid is. You don't, nobody knows what acid is. My advice is that not, do not go out and get acid from someone that walks up to you in a trench coat in a bar and says, hey, here's some acid. Mm -hmm. uh, like anything else that's precious in life, uh, you should know what you're doing. And if you're going to share this experience, do it with someone who shares your spiritual ambitions. And when you look in their eye, they have that same holiness that you're looking for. But, uh, Do you still have a mind-blowing experience once a week? I'm having one right now. <laughs> I want to tell you. I think hey, you have hey, But you've met right Nardwar now. now. Being locked up in a cell with him. In the, <laughs> is, uh, Are you on any drugs right now, Timothy Leary? Coke. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. No, you know, coffee. Coffee. Is Prozac the legal LSD of the 90s? <laughs> Where do you get these cards? you have committees of, <laughs> committees of monkeys that type them out and things like that? Uh, I, I'm not an expert on uh, legal drugs. Basically, I don't like legal drugs. Just think of it. If the government legalizes a drug, there's got to be something wrong with it. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Alcohol, things like that. Didn't you design some rides for Disneyland? But for, uh, go back to Prozac here. Um, uh, I'm fascinated that they are learning more about the brain because the brain is a series of 100 billion computers and we're learning how to punch up and boot up and format. And yes, I think it's wonderful, if true, that a person who is uh, terribly depressed not to go to a doctor. I don't think you should have to go to a doctor. You should be able to go to a, a committee of a ministers or your, or your friends and so forth. And, uh, and uh, with the help of your friends, yes, I think it's wonderful that there are these chemicals that obviously are designed by DNA to make the brain react this way. So basically, although I'm not giving product endorsements uh, about Prozac, um, I, I think in general the idea is good. But of course the doctors are now running around and making billions off it, naturally, and the pharmaceutical thing. I think that uh, any psychoactive, psychedelic, psychological drug should not be sold. It's almost so, it's like selling uh, pardons, you know, the, the priests used to do that, selling uh, the sacraments, um, 
I think that they should be uh, regulated uh, by a society. Uh, certainly young people shouldn't take them. But the very idea of, uh, of selling uh, psychoactive drugs, it, it's worse than prostitution, in, in a sense. Uh, and uh, I, I haven't thought this quite through. So <laughs> Sounds good so far. Be gentle with me. <laughs> Listen, let's take a break here for a minute. And, uh, I'll ask you some questions, huh? Okay, sure. Well, How long can you uh, stay uh, quiet? <laughs> <laughs> How long do you want me to stay quiet? Oh, well, I just have a question. I just wanted to, or you to elaborate about the new species thing. You didn't talk about it very long. About the 21st century and a new species. and the Nintendo kids. Yeah. About the 21st century? Mm-hmm. The great... When you look at the newspaper or the television, cable, whatever, uh, it, it is, it's, it's almost overwhelming. There's so much violence and laws that's common denominator and fear. But one thing is becoming clear from all of this horror, and we've known it for thousands of years, particularly two major groups in society have known it. Matter of fact, two major groups that are majority have known it. But only now are we beginning to realize that the cause of almost all human conflict and problem is the ruthless repression of women and children by men, armed men or, or strong men, using force or threat of force. And I would say 90% of the dads in the world, no matter how much trouble they're having at the office or whatever, when they come home, they know they can kick uh, the kids and uh, uh, their mother. And I think uh, we're aware of that. Uh, obviously, of course, the American media, you're going to get... I don't know about Bobbitt, whether the whole thing. I'm not a judge. Or the, the uh, you know, the... Uh, Justice, what was the guy's name? Uh, Thomas. Yeah, Thomas, thank you, yeah. I can't rule in all these cases, but the very fact that we are now understand that the abuse of children... Do you know that in Southeast Asia, like in India, there are millions, hundreds of millions of young children who are forced to work in the, uh, in the cotton mills. You know that, even around Calcutta. Slaves. And that's worse than me says this. American slavery was horrible, at least it was slavery of adults, but to enslave children. In, in countries like Thailand and Cambodia, um, they sell off uh, young, young children, both girls and boys, for like $300 into a lifelong sense of prostitution. Ashok, what do you have here? I'm gonna... What about in, like, formatting your computer brain? I mean, do you think you can do that without, without drugs? Or do you think, yeah, I guess that's my question. All your talk about accessing <coughs> the entire functions of our brains and <laughs> post-terrestrial... What, what the computer and quantum physics has made clear to us and what neurology has made clear to us is the basic nature of the universe is chaos. We simply, our minds simply can't understand it. Computers can't help us. Uh, also... The, you see, the title of my uh, lecture uh, today, tonight, performance, is How to Operate Your Brain. And yes, I think that uh, psychedelic drugs, which allow you to, 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 you know, to kind of fine-tune, get a little crazier, hey, you want the walls to breathe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Should we turn him into, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, 
Yes, the ability. Of course, he's going to turn me into to, to <laughs> precisely and safely uh, design your own hallucinations and to communicate them using the new multimedia stuff. Uh, yes, it's a very it's a big breakthrough, and that will be the language of the future. Didn't you design some rides for Disneyland? No, weren't you once called upon to consult for that at all, Timothy Leary? No. It never happened. What about Richard Alpert? Like, you're here in Vancouver performing tonight. What are your memories of Vancouver? Wasn't there, like, the Johnny Appleseeds of LSD that lived in Vancouver? You jump from Richard Alpert to Vancouver to Johnny Appleseed. What's the... What's the point here? Well, Richard Alpert recorded this record here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he recorded this in Vancouver. Good for him. This Rabba Bandas, and it goes right here. It goes, uh, describing his early days with Timothy Leary and his introduction to psychedelics, Baba Ram Das, and tells us growing it as like recorded in 1969 in Vancouver. Good for him. I didn't realize that. And what do you remember going on in Vancouver around that time? Listen, uh, I'm so senile. I don't remember what was going on last night at this time. So uh, <laughs> let's get easy. Tim, we have to um, go downstairs. Yes. Now. Yeah. Now, what, what time to do what? For at six twenty, we're going to talk to the rest of the press that was here. We just have like yeah. two more questions. Is that okay, yeah. Mr. Leary? One. What is your name? Anardwar. What does that mean in English? It's like sting in English. <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> Um, Timothy Leary, is G. Gordon Liddy the anti-Timothy Leary? No. Uh, he has a million uh, uh, characteristics of personality. I have a million, and uh, uh, maybe 50,000 of them were different. But what's this bullshit about anti? Anti-Christ, anti-God, devil? And there's no such thing as anti-Timothy Leary. You're betraying a feudal, if not worse, uh, theology here. The anti-Timothy Leary. <laughs> I'll, I'll get him and I'll put him on a fucking cross and I'll put a sword through his side and I will make him a crown of thorns, baby. Yeah, he's the anti. <laughs> Are you born a Christian? Uh, I think they splattered some water on me, but I actually prayed to a lucky chestnut, actually. Don't have one to give here tonight. But actually, I'm reading from a quote from Newsweek magazine, 1968, Dr. Timothy Leary. The work of the psychedelic... 1968. 1968. Well, for Christ's sake, I did... The person is here now, I have almost no relation to that person. Right, this is tying in all to that. The work of the psychedelic scholar-politician is over. With love and confidence, we turn our we work and our planet over to the young and their prophets. Alongside Psychic TV, who would this circle of 90s prophets comprise of? Who's Psychic TV? Genesis P. Orange. Did you do some work with him? Orange? Your Orange? Your video, Psychic TV. Oh, yeah? Well, There's like a band called Psychic TV. I know. Why'd you drag him in? Is he not a 90s prophet of Timothy Leary? Oh, well, now we're getting into prophets. <laughs> I've got an anti-Christ uh, in Lydia, and i got a prophet in uh, Genesis. Did you ever... Genesis is a very uh, talented uh, northern English guy who uh, uh, had a great moment in England when he started uh, Throbbing Gristle. He uh, used his children a lot in, uh, in naked uh, stuff. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. So he's 
he's, no, he's not the Timothy Leary of the 90s. He's a nice guy, but uh, who is? You were. Pam. Uh, <laughs> Pam, the promoter's night of AMS program. What the concept of is and the, the, the antichrist and the anti-this and who's that and all that, these are, this is very primitive uh, thinking. Okay, here's something simple, finally, winding up here, Timothy Leary. Do the guys with LSD get the most chicks? The vulgar sordidness of that question is beyond, is Olympic. Getting chicks. I mean, what does that mean, getting chicks? I mean, that is a very vulgar uh, 50s term. Man, you are out of it. You really are out of it. All right, thanks so much, Timothy Leary, and doot-doodle-doot-doo. Me too. <laughs> do you remember? All those scenes are yours to relive. All those girls are yours. Do you remember? All those scenes are yours to relive. All those girls are yours. Do you remember? All those scenes are yours to relive. All those girls are yours.
Uh, well, I had a glass of wine on the plane. Uh, it's my religion and my family's religion that we try to have a mind-blowing God experience once a week. Well, when do you have a general lady? All the hands of this logical force. What day this week did you have this mind-blowing experience? Well, I'm having it right now. <laughs> God's greatest gifts to man. Shall we go home? Sure. All right, let's go home. political party, man, we mean party of celebration, but the function of government should be to make people free and happy. Uh, the old parties, it's no fun, they're just uptight. Uh, the first uh, sentence in the Declaration of Independence uh, said, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness means the right to get high. There was a time, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, when everybody knew that the Vietnam War was a scam, but there was no uh, prominent politician to stand up and say so. It just takes one or two people to stand up and righteously, you know, to say where it's at. The Black Panthers, uh, for uh, you know, 20, 30 years in this country, we had uh, this civil rights integration thing, the aim of which was to make the blacks become uptight middle-class whites. Uh, it just took a few of those young kids, and I want you to know they were all uh, outlaw kids, black kids from California, from Oakland, which is my home turf. Uh, Bobby Seale and uh, Eldridge Cleaver and those guys, they said, come on, man, we don't want to be graves. We don't want to become, uh, you know, whitey's man. We want our own thing. Uh, black is beautiful. Just took a few of them to say that, and then everyone wakes up and says, yeah, man, that's right. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And 20 years, 20 hours of the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Going straight till 5 p.m. today. Started yesterday at 9 p.m. 20 years, 20 hours of the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. I am Nardwar, the Human Serviette. Email your requests, nardwar at nardwar.com. Any interviews you'd like to hear? Or give me a call, 604-822-2487. That's 604-UBC-CITR. Also, around 1 o'clock, John Savage will be phoning in to the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. Writer John Savage of Teenage and England's Dreaming. So get your questions ready. If you'd like to ask any questions to John Savage on the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show 20-hour, 20-year anniversary edition right now here's an interview and actually this interview is dedicated to timothy leary who has passed away this interview is dedicated to william cooper who has passed away this interview is dedicated to robert anton wilson who has passed away this interview is dedicated to john Bardino, 
who has passed away. This is dedicated to James Bell, who has passed away. This is also dedicated to Ron Moreau of Cats Game, who has passed away. These are all people that have been on an Ardwar Human Serviette radio show over the past 20 years and featured on this 20-hour, 20 year anniversary special so this goes out to the one person we didn't mention pierre burton this goes out to you and this is pierre burton an interview with pierre burton from january 23rd 1992 who are you i'm pierre burton i just put journalist on my passport i think that's good enough and you're the son of laura burton yeah so that novel that we read in university that was you that they were talking about laura I guess so. It wasn't a novel. It was a true story. And you were once... Uh, it was an interesting true story, wasn't it? Thank you. Well, how old are you, Pierre, if I dare my ask? Sure, I'm 71. Born in... 1920. 1920. You were once a member of CITR Radio, weren't you? No. It wasn't CITR at that time, though, was it? There was no radio at the University of BC when I was there. There's a radio society. And once a week we did a broadcast, a half-an-hour broadcast on CGOR and over here in the old Grosvenor Hotel. But uh, in 1941, when I was at the university, there was no, the university didn't have a radio station. It was called Radsock, though, wasn't it? Radsock, yeah, Rad, Radio Society. We didn't call it Radsock. And Radstock eventually turned into CITR, so I guess you could call me a descendant of Pierre Burton in some respects. Follower, anyway. <laughs> what have some other members that were on Radstock, what have they gone on to, or, or you know, on the CITR of old? Where have they gone on to aside yourself? Well, I don't know. So I saw Vic Freeman the other day. He's a psychologist. I mean, he was at the homecoming uh, 50th anniversary of our graduating class. Verna Baird, she was Dorwin Baird's wife. They were both in the society. Dorwin went on to CJOR. He's dead now. And I can't tell you what happened to the others. No, what happened to some of the UBC people on the paper, but not in the Radio Society. Is Canada falling apart? No. Just doing what it's always been doing, talking about falling apart. <laughs> in the paper today, there was a saying that apathy is Canadians' biggest problem. Do you agree with that? Apathy is everybody's biggest problem. Uh, I think at the moment, people aren't so apathetic as they're fed up. You know, they're fed up with the government, they're fed up with the Constitution argument, and they just want to go back to earning some money, and they're all broken, and nobody has a job. Naturally, they're apathetic about other things. To, the, to most people, the most important thing is in the Constitution, it's bread and butter. Who is the American equivalent of Pierre Burton? I don't think there is one. Not one at all? Not even one close? Well, I don't fashion myself against anybody, and I'm not particularly happy about comparing myself with any American. Are you known in the United States of America, Pierre? No, I'm known in, in small circles. I published quite a few books there, and some of them did well. But I'm not, um, I'm not a household name or anything. No. Are you allowed across the border freely? Oh, sure. I go across all the time. How about Farley Mowat? He's not allowed across the border, is he? Well, he is now, but he won't go across the border. They apologized, and they tried to get him across the border. He said, "Hell with you." <laughs> what was the reason? Why did they ban him from the U.S.? They thought he was a communist, and he's not. He never was. He's far from being a communist, but he visited Russia and written a book called Siberia, about Siberia. Maybe that's why. I don't really know why they ban anybody down there, but they do. Is there a difference between a Canadian and Americans? Oh, there's an enormous difference. We have a different geography. We have a different history. We have a different ethnic makeup. We have different attitudes, different kind of government. Everything is different. Just have the same language and the same suits. How do you view Canadians such as Neil Young, who seem to have, like, given up on Canada? I went to his concert, I don't know why, a little while ago, and he seemed to be playing American anthems. People are waving American flags. How do you view Canadians such as that? 
Well, people go, and on my business, go where the work is. And Neil, uh, I used to dandle Neil on my knee when he was two years old. I used to, wow, uh, that knee right there. Wow. <laughs> well, his father's a good friend of mine. We worked together at McLean's. No, he went where the work was and where the recording contracts were. Things are a little bit different now. People like Gordy Lightfoot and Anne Marie can stay here, but they don't. Uh, but Neil didn't feel he had to. I don't object to it. Because somebody like Alex Trebek, he would go to the United States of America, or someone like Peter Mansbridge, he stayed here in Canada. Is there, how come that has occurred? Well, it's a, it's, you know, it's a personal decision. I guess Alex Trebek uh, got offered a pretty fancy job in the States and took it, and Peter Mansbridge got up, offered a pretty fancy job and didn't take it. He preferred to be in his own country. You know, I've stayed here myself. I don't, authors really don't need to move around very much these days. Nobody does with television. Fax machines, fax machines especially. Does Brian Adams have any legitimacy in saying that this CanCon ruling is bogus? No, he has none at all. He's quite wrong. Uh, it's fine for him, but then he doesn't need he doesn't need uh, the CRTC because he's a big shot and makes a lot of money. People need the CRTC ruling, or those people are starting out. Brian Adams would not be where he is today were it not be for the pioneers who pioneered a system whereby a certain amount of Canadian music had to be played. That's why Anne Murray's big. That's why Gordon Lightfoot is big, and that's why a lot of younger groups are coming on and getting their stuff heard on Canadian radios because Canadian radios. Would take, uh, normally take the easiest course and just run American records if they were allowed to, and they shouldn't be allowed to. Do you think the CRTC is going to give in and have Brian Adams' way so they'll eliminate it so he can become Canadian content? No, they're not going to change uh, for Brian Adams. Keith Spicer's made that very clear. On another controversy, are you aware of like that bare naked ladies controversy in Toronto at all? No, oh, I think you cannot be aware of it. Seeing it's been on the front page of the papers all week, it's a silly, stupid, foolish controversy. Uh, bare naked ladies is a, is a is a childish remark. There's a little kids talk about bare naked ladies, so they took this name, which is a genius name, and said, and uh, stupid uh, old fogies in the city hall got all upset about it. Now they wish they hadn't because everybody's pointing the finger at them and laughing at them. These things have a way of working themselves out. Is Leonard Cohen the coolest Canadian ever? Well, I don't know if he's the coolest, but Leonard's pretty cool, yeah. He's pretty good. A good poet. Terrible singer. Who are some of the other Canadians that have begun unheralded, that have not have got recognition, would you say? Like, I've mentioned Alex Rebecca, Peter Mansbridge, Leonard Cohen. Who are some other ones that perhaps are not as recognized that you would feel are? Oh, those people have lots of recognition. I think most people get recognition unless they don't want it. Maybe Charles Saunders isn't heard of anymore now, but uh, he was in his day. Maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe Bliss Carmen isn't known anymore, but he was in his day. You know, people are, most celebrities last more than five minutes or 15 minutes, as Andy Warhol says. I just made a list of 125 significant Canadians over the last 125 years for a magazine, and it's, uh, I made a list of 250, I'd have cut it down. There's so many of them, you know. But uh, I think most people are recognized. The mo I used to tell Morley Callahan he was, he, he was the most recognized, unrecognized Canadian who ever lived. Everybody's always saying nobody's ever heard of Morley Callahan, but in fact everybody had. People rise up to the top like cream if they're any good. Is Wayne Gretzky on that list? Uh, no, he's not. No. Are any Vancouver or any sports people on that list? The only two sports people on the list are uh, Con Smythe and Foster Hewitt. I didn't put performers on the list in any field because I don't think performers, I think the, the people who start 
make make the climate proper for performers are, are the significant ones. But uh, if you put Wayne Gretzky on, you'd have to put 200 other hockey players on. You wouldn't have a list. What about that um, lady that was in like the 1890s? She became a doctor. She disguised herself as a man. Is she on that list? What was her name? Dr. Barry. That was before the 1890s. No, she's not on the list. Well, what, what did she do exactly? I'm always interested by that story. Well, she was, um, she was in, the, in the Army, uh, the British Army, and... Uh, she managed to pass herself off as a man for most of her life. And in those days, I guess she didn't undress in front of anybody else. But uh, it was only after she was, after she died, they found that she'd she'd had a child somewhere. It's a fascinating story. I did it on television once. And she was a doctor. She was certified as a doctor too. She was a military surgeon. Continuing on, thanks for speaking to me, Pierre. I really appreciate this ex-CITR member that you are. Have you ever met any U.S. presidents that you've liked? I haven't met any U.S. presidents, liked or not. But I probably would have liked Jimmy Carter. I, would have probably, I certainly would have liked Franklin D. Roosevelt, and I think I'd liked Harry Truman. Not so sure about the others. Probably like John F. Kennedy. He's a likable guy. But I haven't met them, so I don't know. Did an American president once die in Vancouver? Did you ever hear a story about that? Harding or one of those guys? Uh, he didn't die in Vancouver, but he was king of Vancouver shortly before he did die, yeah. This is 19... Uh, about 922, 23, 24, around there, yeah. So Vancouver may have poisoned him? No, I don't think so. Vancouver can take credit for a lot of things, but poisoning Harding is not one of them. <laughs> Did President Kennedy really infiltrate the Canadian election of 1963 in helping to influence Canadians to not vote for Diefenbaker? I have no slightest idea. I don't know. Have you ever heard about that? Like, isn't there a book out? Doesn't Nolton Nash have a book out, Kennedy and Diefenbaker, yeah, talking about that? Uh, no, Nolton has a book, which I've read, and it's a good book, but uh, there's no evidence there that the, uh, Kennedy was stupid enough to try to influence the election in a foreign country like Canada. Have you seen JFK? I've, have I seen him? No, oh, oh, have you seen him and have you seen the movie? No, I haven't. I've seen JFK. At, I, was at, I covered the convention which nominated him for uh, leader of the party. Uh, no, I haven't seen the movie. I don't think I'll see it. Uh, they make a hero out of a sleazy man uh, called Garrison who hounded a poor wretch called uh, Clay Shaw to his death. I met Clay Shaw, and there was no doubt that uh, Garrison was, just for political reasons and making a political stance, drove this man really almost to his death. The guy was totally acquitted of everything, and now this guy Garrison has been made a hero. He's not a hero, he's a rat. Wasn't Clay Shaw, wasn't, didn't they reveal in 1973 that he was indeed a member of the CIA, and the whole time he was denying it? I don't know, but the, he certainly wasn't involved in any conspiracy, uh, conspiracy against Kennedy. Uh, it's, uh, I can think these conspiracy stories are bunk. To believe in a conspiracy story, you have to believe that a, a huge number of people were involved. The CIA, the mafia, and all, all these other guys. Well, they're not, they, you, you can't keep a secret that way. Could a governmental coup ever topple Canada? I mean, I've heard of people, environmentalists, they're having meetings at UBC, and one of the girls who was environmentalist said that a member of CSIS, the Canadian Intelligence Agency, came to their meetings. What do you feel about that? Is CSIS that dangerous and scary? No, it's rather incompetent, as a matter of fact, but you couldn't have a coup in this country. It's too big, it's too long, and too, there's too many mountain ranges in the way. You know, who's, who, how are you going to control the country? Impossible. I mean, you might take over Winnipeg or Saskatchewan or something, but you couldn't take over the country. Was it a grave mistake for Canada to participate in the Gulf War, now looking back at it a year later? Well, if we'd participated, it would have been, but we hardly participated, so I don't think it mattered either way. It was, was a token thing. 
Wasn't there a chance for Canada to stand up and say, hey, we're not going to go to this, we're not going to stand for this killing? Could have been a big chance for international politics, but we didn't really take it, did we? Well, you've got to be realistic and realize that we're next door to the United States, and you just can't go off half-cocked and scream in the United States every single day but because you don't agree with what they're doing. Uh, we, you have to maintain friendly, friendly relations. Now, that involves sending a couple of obsolete warships to the Gulf. Well, you probably have to do it. And as a matter of fact, uh, I don't think anybody would have, was opposing it at the time except for a handful. Now, it looks different because we're learning a lot more about the Gulf War, but at that time, I don't think it mattered. Did you ever meet Gerald Bull? No. Did, was, did you ever have any association with him? Did you, did you, was he much in the news back then? No, his family um, lived in Brampton, and there were, I, I remember a story about them in McLean's years ago. They were in the cattle business, I think, but uh, we didn't know much about Bull until after he died. What was Pierre Trudeau really like? He, he's, he pretty well got what you saw. He was an intensely private man. He had a very strong intellect. He had the Jesuit ability to argue right down to the ground. And he, if he didn't wrestle inflation to the ground, he certainly wrestled a lot, of, a lot of other people verbally. I knew him casually. I was on television with him on several occasions, for once long, long before anybody thought he was going to be anything, when he was simply a, a dilettante. Uh, we had him on a program on separatism. I liked him. Uh, and in fact, I voted for him at one point. Is he on your list of 125 Canadian, important Canadians? Significant Canadians, yes. Significant. So there's four, four prime ministers who I think are great, and he's one of the four. The other being, the others being uh, John A., uh, Wilfrid Laurier, and uh, Mackenzie King. I also put uh, Mike Pierce on the list for a different reason, because he started the peacekeeping forces. And John Diefenbaker, because he represents a very bad prime minister, but he represents a form of prairie populism, which is significant. Are any British Columbia members of Parliament or Premiers on, involved in the list? No. Any British Columbian people? Oh, yeah, there's British Columbian people, but no Premiers, yeah. Emily Carr's on the list, for instance, I think. This more, this, this, does, um, does I, I'm stumbling when I'm saying his name, Mulroney, but does the Mulroney really, really hate Trudeau? Oh, I don't think, you know, I th John A. McDonald said no politician can afford the luxury of hate or revenge. And I don't think politicians hate each other. I think they are opposed to each other. Sometimes they hate each other. I have the slightest idea what Maloney's private feelings are. He doesn't indicate that he does or that he doesn't. How long do you see him lasting? Oh, Mulroney? Yeah. Oh, I think he'll be out in the next election. Two more, two more years. You mentioned television earlier on TV with Pierre Elliott Trudeau. You've been on TV as many people have seen you on French Page Challenge. I was wondering, one of the panelists on there is Betty Kennedy. What's her background? She's a journalist. Has, she's a long-time journalist. She's been a journalist for 30, 40 years. Her last uh, stint was, I think, for 15 or 20 years at CFRB. She ran a daily program, a radio, radio journalistic radio program, which she interviewed people. She's a very good journalist. She's still writing for newspapers? No, no, she's pretty well. Pretty, except for Front Page Challenge isn't doing very much uh, in that field. And you're in your 30th year of Front Page Challenge? 35th. 35th year? Is that, that's one of the longest-running television shows in history, is it? Well, Meet the Press is, in the States is longer. It's the only one. Have any headlines on Front Page Challenge ever stumped you? Like, really ones that you really kicked yourself that you haven't got? Oh, about half of them stumped me. I think my batting average is about 50-50. Yeah, my mother was on Front Page Challenge. She didn't recognize her. <laughs> really? How did, did they have a voice disguise her or something? I guess they did. I can't. It some time ago. I can't remember. The last one was on was my daughter Patsy. I didn't get her either. She was uh, 
She was on because some of the, a book of mine called The Secret World of Og had reached its 30th anniversary, and she did a new cover for it, so he sneaks her in. So well, next thing you know, I'll be on Front Page Challenge. You never know. <laughs> And hopefully you'll get who I am, Nardwar from CITR Radio, FM2 Cable, and to Vancouver, Discovery Canada. And we're, spawning, we're talking here to Pierre Burton. Thank you so much for speaking to us. We're just winding down here. And I was wondering, is Canada's national sport really lacrosse? No, it's quite obviously hockey. It used to be lacrosse. And it, maybe it still should be lacrosse, which is an ingenious and wicked sport. But it's, our national sport is, has been, and I think always will be, hockey. Has, is it in the books? Because I heard like it was because you know they always have trivia questions. What's Canada's national sport? People say lacrosse. Is it has it always been hockey? Well, it was lacrosse for a while, and I suppose lacrosse was giving hockey a run for its money, but they don't play it anymore except out here. Finally, Pierre, thanks for speaking to me again. I say thank because it's really an honor to speak to you, such a distinguished Canadian. Do you like to be known as a distinguished Canadian? I hate it. It makes me feel like it has been to be called distinguished. <laughs> I'd rather be called a radical or a rebel or anything else else like that than distinguished. Uh, how about your political persuasion? Do you ever reveal that? Oh, sure. I, I vote for, I'm an independent voter. I voted for the Conservatives. I voted for the Liberals. But more than any, I voted for the NDP. I voted, I voted for the NDP most, most recently, yeah. Finally, Pierre, in the 1960s, did you ever, like William S. Burroughs, use hallucinogenics to enhance any of your writing? Not unless you count pot grass, but not to enhance my writing. I would never write one word under the influence of either a drug or alcohol. It, it throws your timing right off. I know that I go on a television program or a radio program or a public speech. If with one, even one drink, I wouldn't take one drink. I wouldn't smoke one joint because uh, that throws your timing off. It throws your thinking off. It throws everything off. If you want to be sharp, stay sober. But you did experiment with uh, marijuana then? I didn't experiment with it. I just smoked it. <laughs> it was an experiment. <laughs> the kids had it and we were sitting around. We used to smoke joints. I still do. I smoke with my kids. All right, and thanks so much, and uh, keep on rocking in the free world. Okay, thanks. An interview with Pierre Burton from January 23rd, 1992, on the Nardwar Human Serviette radio show, 20 years, 20 hours anniversary special. We're going to now perhaps move into a metal direction, and what better way to warm you up then, an interview with your favorite metal band in the entire world. Well, well, I don't know if they're your favorite metal band in the entire world, but the band that you will remember the most. Because anytime you see this band, you'll never forget them because you're going to be covered in what they spew. Here's an interview I did with Guar. I am Andres Jarangas, lead singer of the most dangerous band in this or any other universe, Gwar! Odorous, the bitch is back! Yes, the bitch is back. She's here to claim a bloody vengeance. She's wanting to castrate me, chop off my penis and put it in a zoo. What was she doing before? She was in a circus? She was in the circus, the girly freak show circus, doing things in Hollywood with her Hollywood friends. But now she is back. She, as I said, she wants to chop off my pee pee. Odorous, are you the first band ever to spew on the audience? No! I'm not spewing on the audience. Because I have new spew chambers. Yes, yeah, spew, spewing everywhere. Spew, spew, spew. Spew on you. 
Odorous, it's your cuttlefish. Is it in the Hard Rock Cafe? It was in there before, but they made me take it out. But look at that thing. Look at it dripping with infected East Nile virus. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. What is your view of Viagra? What do you think of Viagra? Well, I don't need it personally, but it helped midgets who are important to fuck animals in the yard. And I think it's a good thing as long as the animal gives consent. Odorous, who designs your loincloths? He does. And Odorous, what do you do? What do you think of when you see this picture right here? Give the truth to the camera of the person, Dave Brocky. What do you what think of is that? Th this person needs to be killed. This person, look at him touching himself like that. What is that? What is that shit? He's fat. He's fat, fat, fat. Odorous, you are Canadian. What is a Canadian killing dinosaurs for? Why is a Canadian killing dinosaurs? Odorous, why are you what, killing what? the dinosaurs? Because they were... They drove cars. I didn't like cars. But they're from Alberta, the Badlands. They wore shoes. I don't like shoes. What about the movie Mystery Date, Odorous? Was that Stupid. I never saw it. I never saw any of the movies we were supposedly in. And we never made a fucking penny. Odorous, what are the new ways to kill people that you guys have developed? Uh, well, it's hard to, you know, when you kill people so many ways for so many years. But the more interesting way that we're killing people is slowly through alcoholism. If the guy from Lord of the Rings walked out, how would you kill him? Which one? Frodo! Oh, I'd stop. I'd fuck him. Then I'd stop him, that little bagging bugger. Is, is there any way to stop a Guar show? Is there any way to stop a Guar show? Yes, don't go. Tell me about your influences. Wendy O. Williams, how important is she? I've been in influenced by insulin. Odorous, what is the similarity between Guar and pirates? Pachisi and uh, four, four rows over on the Jeopardy board. Odorous, the Guar wants to do a show with absolutely no music, just acting it out. Yes, uh, I would do my interpretive mime. Would you like to see it? Yes, please. <laughs> that was Jean Benet. Are there any challengers to Guarda Odorous? Yes, Marilyn Manson is obviously a very, very powerful force. Limp Biscuit and Slipknot and Mudvayne, oh my, yes, we're, we're, we're in awe of their power. Are you mad about the song Guar? Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Guar! Hey, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing, and that's fine with me. DOA sung that, but also from Vancouver, Skinny Puppy, Skinny Puppy! You are the most annoying human I've ever met. Thank you, Matt Alders! Thank you, I appreciate that! Now, what was it like playing with Thor tonight? Thor is uh, a little heavier than he used to be, but uh, very, very fun, funny, but he should get rid of the children. Uh, odorous golf. What are the perks of being in Guar? You play celebrity golf with Tommy Lee? Aren't you interviewing any of them? Well, okay. Tell me what no, you No, shut up. Just interview me. I'm the Okay. I'm the, I'm the no, tell me who played golf one. with Tommy Lee. I didn't play golf with Tommy Lee. He wouldn't get in the same party with me. He wouldn't ride around on a golf cart. But I did go to his house and we went to the hot tub and drowned a child. Odorous, please tell me about the rest of Guar, the role-playing game. I want to play with Guar. Is there a role-playing game? No, there's no role-playing game. Well, who is there? I don't know. Look at those guys over there looking at me like I'm crazy. There's games, there's products, there's merchandise. Be assured we sell millions of them and we never see a fucking penny. I'm paid in crap. Were you a spokesman for Circuit City, Mr. Odorous? Yes, there's no level to the degree of prostitution I will whore myself out to in order to... Continue my existence as a fucked up, drunken piece of shit. Odorous of Guarda, Disney faked the moon landing. Did they fake the moon landing? It's a fake. There isn't even a moon. Everyone knows it's made out of cheese. Odorous, why did you sink Atlantis? Why? 
Because I, I needed to usher in the era of the railroad. What exactly does the future hold for Guar? What does the future hold? Pain, death, suffering, torment, uh, Ouija boards, uh, flamingos, and, and plate mail, and flying 747s. But you've been in a lot of movies, Empire Records. You were at Empire Records. So what? We raped Liv Tyler in the bathroom. And it's not rape if she enjoys it halfway through. What about being in 30-something, that TV show? That was pretty good, ain't it, Ogres? Oh, my God, what are you on, anyway? Uh, 30, 40, 50, 70, 80, a million. Who gives a shit? Now, which member of Guar ate Jerry Springer? I don't know. The world maggot, okay? I got a show to do. Can we fucking hurry this up and finish this shit? Last question for you, Ogres. Thank you. You hate hair farmers. Guar was formed as a reaction to the hair farming bands, right? Well, actually, the hair farmers were using way too much up. Uh, hairspray and the ozone layer opened up and as a result we were born as much as we hate them we still love them so why did you have sebastian back of a hair metal band in your video you said that was the last question thank you and you're still listening to citr radio FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar de Human Serviette radio show, 20 years, 20 hours anniversary marathon. You just heard right there an interview from October the 27th. 2002 with Guar, Odorous Irungus of Guar. On the line, we have a special guest. Are you there, caller? I am here. Who are you? I'm Mark Kleiner. I'm uh, I, I call E. I think you called. I'm in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And um, it's just a real thrill to be part of this festivity, and uh, congratulations, Narwar, in 20 years. Well, thank you very much, Mark Kleins Kleiner. What we're about to do is kind of complicated, isn't it? Once they complicated, we just played Guar. Now, is Guar metal, Mark Kleins Kleiner? Well, I, I, I think they are. I mean, it's an area of metal that I was never too versed in, but, um, you know, certainly they're, you know, theatrical metal stuff for sure you know it's a it's a pretty wide-ranging genre so the theatrical genre now let's just get a bit of background who are you mark kleiner exactly and how do i know you when a nerdware to human serviette radio show 1987 to 2007 started it was pretty much all punk rock wasn't it mark kleins kleiner well i think when i when, when i met you you'd already been about four years into it right because it was in the early 90s and by then you were already a fixture, I think, you know, and, and uh, to think now that it's been 20 years, and um, it was pretty much punk rock and, and I think conspiracy, right? There was a... There were quite a few conspiracy theorists in the Nardwari radio show. Still try to get those guys. It's harder now because they all have their own internet radio shows, or they all have their own websites, or they're always a guest on another show, so they don't want to be on your show. But back then they were looking for an outlet. And that kind of fits into what we're doing here today with metal, these are some bands that we're going to be doing interviews with that we're looking for an outlet for our music after having a huge outlet for music. But back to 1991, Mark. Yeah. Uh, why are we speaking here today? Something brought us together. Well, actually, I think it was probably more like the Monkees, but it was it was through that connection and, and our common interest, I think, in stuff from the 60s. It was the Strawberry Alarm Clock was that, that brought us together. One? Yes, it was. And, well, what... and I think you, you raised an interesting point, Nara, because the technology has changed so much, right? Because back 
then um, it was hard to kind of find out what a lot of these bands or people like the Strawberry Alarm Clock were doing. Nowadays, you can find a website and you'll kind of get all the skinny. But back then, it became sort of like a treasure hunt, right? And like bands would maybe have like a toll-free, remember the days of the toll-free phone line where you could call a number in like San Rosita, California and get an answering machine to find out what they were doing? What's great in my Crispin Glover interview that I played a bit earlier on the 20-hour, 20-year Nardwari Human Serviette radio show special, he gave out his 1-800 number. And I was talking about managers in a Beck interview that have a 1-800 number. He had a phone number where it was really out there. In fact, in one of these interviews, I'm not going to give it away right off the bat here, in one of these interviews we're going to be playing, a 1-800 number is given out. Wow. Like we say, where can we get some more information? And the guy we're interviewing gives his manager's phone number. That's awesome. And I remember the Toe Licker song. Was that Toe Licker 1-800-Goodbye? No, no, that was Bullet Boys. Okay. Oh, was that a local? Wasn't there a local band called Toad Liquor? Toe Liquor. T-O-E, yeah. There, there was, and they were sort of like a funk, sort of post-Chili Peppers, you know, but very much by the way of uh, glam metal. So, Mark Kleiner, now you're in Saskatoon with babies in the background. I, I am. But in 1991, you were trying to school me, the baby, on sort of stuff. So you came to me regarding Strawberry Alarm Clock. We did an interview with Strawberry Alarm Clock, who, believe it or not, have a connection to Corey Feldman, because Corey Feldman's dad played in a version of the Strawberry Alarm Clock. And then after the Strawberry Alarm Clock, you hooked me up with Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees. That's right. That was... Um at uh in a film lot or behind i guess a tv studio in well i guess vancouver proper right so it was in an alley and uh it was a pretty magical day and uh, a very charged interview and, and it was in 1991 that that interview yeah. happened the really killer piece of info you had for that interview was you had a clip and it was a video interview and you were filming it as well what was the clip that you had was that mickey in the uh, desert storm welcome home parade yes maybe you could describe that well, Mickey's, uh, <laughs> Hazel's not too thrilled about this one. Mickey's on a float with the stars of Major Dad, and uh, they're, you know, this is after Desert, you know, the, the coming home from Desert Storm, so it's probably from the same, was that the same year's interview or the year before? I'm trying to remember, 90 or 91. Mickey grabs the, uh, the, the TV commentator's mic and, and yells, and the, yeah, the good guys won or something like that, right? Referring so, to the Gulf War. Referring to the Gulf War. And he's on a Taco Bell float, which is great. That Taco Bell float. And you had this neat piece of video. Where did you get that video? Because um, you were a complete collector of all things monkeys, and you still are. Well, I, I mean, I don't have And much... you still are. I'm going <laughs> to make you still be. Well, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, there is an, an element of that that you carry it with you till you die, so... But I, I don't really actively collect the stuff anymore, you know. But you had a whole bunch of neat videotapes and whatnot. I did, and most of them I gave to Robert Dayton, and I. Uh, but uh, yeah, I did have those. I had a I had a friend in California who was, uh, who, who in those days from the '80s on was you know had a, like you know a satellite dish and used to, used to um, collect all that stuff. So I, I through him I got a lot of that sent up to me and, and then and it was ultimate stuff because 10 years later we did an interview with peter tork of the monkeys every 10 years we interview an, an ex-monkey so i think we're on we're on we're on tap now for uh, 2011 and either davy or uh, mike and this kind of ties into everything because where did we interview peter tork of the monkeys what where did we interview peter where, tork? where uh, the Skagit County Fair. <laughs> Which was the punchline to a lot of our metal jokes that we use in some of the metal bands that we interviewed, right? Mark Kleins Kleiner? That, that they were playing in Skagit County? 
or Pialop State Fair. Oh, the Pialop. That's right. It was the Pialop Fair, the the reunion. Or in Pukupski, New York, was it? Okay, yeah. I could never quite pronounce it as well as you, but yeah, that about sounds right. Uh, also, let's just say for this Peter Tork interview that I'm not sure if we'll hear, but it is available at nardwar.com, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R.com. Actually, if anybody listening has any favorite metal interview that I've done, nardwar at nardwar.com or 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CITR. Or if you want to speak to Mark Kleins Kleiner, 604-UBC-CITR. For that Peter Tork interview, remember I was wearing Peter Tork shirt. This is really amazing. Please explain to the people a little bit about that, Mark Kleins Kleiner. Not only did you supply me with information, not only did you take me to a state fair, you dressed me up that day. It's true. I, at various times in my life when I was trying to purge myself of my monkeys collection, I that was one of the times I was in the late 80s in Chicago at a monkeys convention, and I was selling my collection, but there was someone there who had the actual shirt um, that Peter had worn in the movie. That It's like a Nehru, orange Nehru jacket, and he's actually wearing it on the back of the album cover as well. And uh, so I acquired that at the same time I was trying to get rid of a lot of monkey stuff. And um, it, it, it fit you like a, like a glove, i got to say. And so you wore that for that interview. And it's the shirt that he wears in the movie Head. It is, yeah. So, so it's- I'm wearing the shirt that Peter Tork wore in the movie Head while interviewing Peter Tork. And Peter Tork doesn't know that I'm wearing the shirt You're that he wore in the movie Head. You didn't realize it, yes. Until the very end. That's right, and you showed him the label on the back. The... Now, when we go to the state fair there, down there in Ferndale or Puyallup or Prokipski or whatever, it kind of ties back to, and there's a lot of kindness in here, the metal connection. So I was doing a lot of punk interviews, did some 1960s interviews, and then you, Mark Kleiner, said to me, it's time to... Oh, is this the true alternative? Yes, do the true alternative. The first metal interview that we did together. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was Slick Toxic, right? Now, who are Slick Toxic? Who were Slick Toxic? And explain the circumstance, like how you pitched it to me. Oh, yeah, she's had her... her sorry, just... Uh, um, how did I pitch it to you? This, this was... Um, the, the true, this was 1994, I believe, and this was when a lot of these, uh, I think as you alluded to earlier, a lot of the, the, the pop metal bands of the late 80s particularly and, and into the, the first part of the early 90s were still trying to build careers around new, new material, I guess, to, to, to still be relevant. And uh, one of them was Slick Toxic, and they, they had had a, a fairly popular uh, Canadian metal album, um, was it... I can't even, I don't remember the title offhand, but it, it had won a, a Juno Award, I think. And they'd gone to the Junos, and their, their bass player had taken the EMI company limousine and um, wrapped it around a couple of parked cars or something. And basically, all the profits from the first album had, uh, had gone up in smoke that night. And uh, they ended up getting dropped. The bass player, I think, got fired. And then they were still trying to you know keep building their career or something until they'd released an, an, an album on, I think it was called Strawberry Records or something like that. It was their manager's uh, independent record label. So a lot of these um, mainstream uh, hair metal bands were, were all of a sudden finding themselves on small independent labels and basically using kind of a punk rock touring ethic to uh, promote their material and also changing their sound to sound more um, more edgy and more, you know, more of the times. So, I mean, speaking really of, of that, that was a really interesting period to be, you know, listening and, and 
listening to pop slash grunge metal and to as a pop culture observer I, at the time I found it pretty fascinating because um, metal was the true underground at that point wasn't it and Metal Edge fanzine who we interviewed we did a whole episode of Discorder magazine called Disc Edge but Metal Edge was like a fanzine wasn't it like all the metal was now underground and the punk was the popular stuff so it brought up the classic question would you ever sell out and go punk well and what does yeah exactly and, and what does that mean and, and, and a lot of the alternative bands that were really selling well were Kind of, I mean, they were they were presenting this guys like they didn't really want success or stuff like that. But it 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 did smell a little bit fishy. And the bands that genuinely kind of came out and said like, look, this is what we want. You know, we want to be adored. There was almost a bit more integrity to that. So that was that was sort of sort of interesting. And um, and specifically with Slick Toxic, you had said to me, hey Nardwar, you got to interview Slick Toxic. We got to do an interview with Slick Toxic. Not only did they crash their limo on the night of the Junos, there's a rumor to hop aboard the Generation X bandwagon, the grunge bandwagon, they're changing their name to... Slack Toxic. Slack Toxic. That's right. Now, that also brings up a little point, the fake rumor. We created these fake rumors, <laughs> didn't we, Mark Kleins Kleiner? Yes, and, that, you know, they almost, they, they, they would get us into trouble at points. I mean, like the, uh, the rumor that uh, Sebastian Bach's quite famous artist father, who's a Canadian artist of some renown, and his name is, do you remember his name? No, I don't. Okay. But I know that Sebastian Bach's brother was Zach Bach, and he played goal. Oh, right. But his, his dad was is, is quite an accomplished artist, and he, he'd done the album art for uh, the second Skid Row album, and we created the false rumor that he was also doing the album art for a Shark Island, which was like a Netherlands metal band that really didn't even appear in the late 80s, but they were, they were having a retrospective come out, and I believe we got a nasty email from the Baz about that. So it was just kind of a... It was a fun way to approach the interviews and to also, like, it became sort of an imagination kind of piece, you know, to uh, more of an impressionistic way. And the band names were just amazing. Bang Tango, Shark Island. Just the band names almost made you laugh. It was incredible. Danger, Danger. Danger, Danger. We got into the double-tiered bands, which will kind of bring us up to Enough's Enough. There were these double-tiered... Du- Explain those a little bit, Mark Kleiner. Again, we're speaking here to Mark Kleins Kleiner, who lived in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada for quite a while, and hopefully will come back to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And, Mark, you also played in The Sister Lovers. What are all the bands played in? The Mark Kleiner Project? Jungle? Uh-huh. Mark Clare Power Trio, yeah, Jungle, Sister Lovers. That, that that's about uh, Cherry Pie, I guess was a that would probably be the most um, closest to to what we're talking about here today. That was just kind of a one-off. Uh, that was a tribute to Warrant. Warrant and the other uh, uh, other bands of their ilk, you know. So we played. Uh, we played. What was it? The Niagara, which I don't think is there anymore. I think it's now a uh, probably a condominium. But uh, we played. We played there back in the mid '90s and. And that was a lot of fun. So, but that that pretty much covers it as far as yeah the, the bands that I played with. So. so I was doing a lot of metal interviews, and then after doing the metal interviews for a little while, I developed an idea of how to do the fake rumors. So I want to say, Mark, thank you very much for the fake rumors because I was able to apply the fake rumors thing that you told me to you know, ask these band these fake rumors to the Prime Minister of Canada, Jean Chrétien. <laughs> very nice. Do you remember that? The fake rumor. What was the fake rumor you said to him? The fake rumor was, I said, Mr. Chrétien, this was at the APEC, there's a band out there right now called the Nomads that has a song called the Suharto Stomp. 
Do you think if you were 40 years younger, you too would be writing protest songs and protesting APEC? And then he talked a bit more, and then he didn't know what mace was, and I said pepper spray, and he said, for me, pepper I put on my plate. Oh, so indirectly, that. Slick Toxic generated the soundbite of the decade that <laughs> he is still talking about till today. Uh, Kretchen's memoirs came out. Did and he that mention whole, that? No, he mentions the pepper on the plate. He doesn't mention – nobody mentions the punk band, the Nomads. But the reason I just made that up was I was thinking, hey, let's make up all this stuff when talking to metal bands. Why not make up something for Jean Chrétien? So it's weird to think that, like, Slick Toxic and all these metal bands really influenced Canadian politics as they are today. Yeah, well, as it should be, you know. Coming up, we have an interview here with Enough's Enough. Do you think we should do the Enough's Enough interview first or the Warrant interview first? Well, I mean, it's it's entirely your call. This is uh, this is your party, and I'm just you know thrilled to be invited to be a part of it. And uh, you know, the enough's enough's a bit shorter, right? The enough's enough is a bit shorter. However, the Warrant was one of the first ones that you really enjoyed, wasn't it? This is Janie Lane of Warrant talking to us at CITR, and there's a story that goes with a later Warrant. We talked to Warrant twice, didn't we, Mark? We did. Um, we this was this was from a tour stop. We'd actually pursued them and said we we're a college radio station right in, in Canada, and we were excited about the new album. Um, let me see, Ultraphobic, I think, was the, the album they were pushing at that time. And they were going for a college audience, so they, they, they actually called us from the road, Lexington, Kentucky, I've mentioned that. And then, uh, then they came and did a tour stop in Vancouver um, not too long after, but I think they were promoting the album after that, Belly to Belly, if I remember correctly. And, um, and then some guys from the Cherry Pie Band called in on the air and asked if the, the band could come in and get in free. That was the if you remember the tribute band that I was part of. Um, so then Janie Lane, the singer from Warren, said that we could uh, all get in free, provided we came up and uh, did did a song with them, So, um, which just filled me with terror because I only knew a handful of lyrics to you know Warren songs. I knew the songs that we'd done, but... Uh, Anyways, that's that's the story behind the second interview. So, what was amazing is here's Cherry Pie, a tribute to Warrant at a Warrant gig at Studebaker's. There were many great Stube gigs, weren't there, Mark Clank's Spiner? Yeah, that's that's also not there anymore, is it? It was out in uh, towards. It wasn't in Surrey, but it was out towards. And this was an interesting time, too, because the Commodore was closed at that time, so a lot of gigs were moved to Studebaker's, like Cheap Trick was mm-hmm. at Studebaker's. And here's Janie Lane of Warren going, yeah, man, I was on CITR Radio, and thanks to CITR Radio for supporting us and being the only station that plays Warren that's out there, thanks to Nardwar. And by the way, on Nardwar's show, a band phoned in called Cherry Pie to a tribute to Warren. Let's have them come up here and do the song Cherry Pie with us. You could hear a pin drop because it's like me and the... The guys from the band get up there, and I, I just had my hair cut, too. i just been been on a trip, and, and I, we didn't look at all like a warrant. We looked like maybe a Blur tribute band or something like that. And then um, we discussed before what song do you think they're going to have us come up and do, and we couldn't figure it out. We thought maybe Heaven or, I don't know, 39 Pennies or whatever, but uh, it never occurred to us that they would actually have us come up and do Cherry Pie, which was our namesake, um, which we should have probably, probably um, figured out earlier but we didn't so we got up there and i I don't know the the words i mean i know a few lyrics to the verses in cherry pie but not a lot and uh i ended up having to trade off verses with janie lane and it was yeah it was it was pretty awful it was uh it was it was it was a tough night but um we got out of the bar alive and um you know, live to tell about it today on the 20th anniversary 20-hour Nardwar 1987-2007 radio show, so that's okay. Enough's enough. 
I love these double named bands. We interviewed Danger Danger, Enough's Enough. Enough's Enough are the ultimate for you, aren't they? Enough's Enough. Like we used Enough's Enough all the time when we interviewed bands, just to say that name on air. And then we eventually talked to Enough's Enough, and then you played with Enough's Enough there, Mark Kleins Kleiner. Yeah, it was. It all kind of came around. Uh, definitely, it was. It was a real thrill, and that was that was the one band I always wanted to play with, and I got to open for them with my band at Studebakers, and we got to talk with them. And, um, you know, and rest in peace, Ricky Perrant, who just died uh, last week. Um, he's the drummer, the replacement drummer, who was on tour with them when, uh, when all this went down. So maybe, maybe that would be the one to line up now, eh? Enough's enough? Sure. We do have that one ready to go. We also have Warrant ready to go, too. Okay. Well, your call. I've got to go, uh, go help with, uh, with Feed the Baby here, so... Mark, your priorities. Metal first, baby second. No, just joking. In classic form, there's always something dragging you away, isn't it? Like, a lot of these bands had hard luck. Just to end this, Mark Kleins Kleiner, a lot of these bands had some hard luck, didn't they? They had success, but there were always some weird things happening, especially a band like Enough's Enough, right? Well, yeah, they, they did have a lot of... But, but I mean, it was, it was like bad timing and, and really being, you know, these were... Per- you know, precisely the kind of band stories that really appealed to me was just the, the bands that didn't quite fit in, you know. They were doing kind of this Beatlesque, um, cheap, very cheap trick influenced uh, pop metal that was, you know, rich and melodic. Um, but they were ending up, you know, touring with, with bands that were, you know, and, and were pushed on MTV like, like to be basically a glam version of Poison, which is, you know, glam to the nth degree. And so they ended up really um, laden with this um, this image that was they really couldn't move around in anymore and uh and, and and were unable to break out of it so i mean it's actually kind of a and they got shafted like enough's enough carried the torch of cheap trick for years and years and years and then were kicked off the cheap trick tribute album they were i mean and, and they were kicked out of the off the wayne's world soundtrack and basically people really just couldn't wash their hands with them fast enough so it was it, there was something sad about it i mean they they certainly they they certainly pursued a career of um, uh, you know self uh, what would the term be I, I kind of uh, I don't know they were kind of kind of bent on a on a strange form of self destruction. Are they sure. still around today? Do you still keep track of any of this metal stuff, Mark Kleiner? What are you doing today? Uh, what with with this stuff? With metal, do you still keep track of enough's enough? Well, you know, I I still hear about it from time to time, and yeah, I do the odd web search just to kind of keep. Uh, Keep uh, it's, it's, it is it is a you know a guilty pleasure to just but it's you know I mean it's, it it really got kind of oversaturated a bit you know and with Poison going out every year and doing the same songs it's it's really become more like Les Misérables or something like that you know it's it was it was certainly when these interviews you know when we were doing them it, it had a little bit more um, I think a little bit more impact certainly and, and and I'm just in a different place today you know for instance I have to go. Uh, feed my my babies so well thank you very much mark Kleins Kleinet. you're in saskatoon right now also we've got to give props to the metal queen jill grattan she shows up in a few of these little clips too we met her she was down at travel cats at ubc and we bumped into her because she knew mark gaday of the band eric's trip and she had an amazing metal knowledge too didn't she mark Kleins kleiner she sure did so. she like petitioned to get metallica to play moncton and they did didn't they did they? I didn't. Okay. Yeah, she well. got Metallica to play Moncton in like '86. Wow. Which is kind of like getting Snoop Dogg to play Lethbridge nowadays. And speaking of Snoop Dogg, stay tuned. There will be some dogs that are going on. At lastly, here, Mark Kleins Kleiner, our Snoop Dogg is rap, kind of the hair metal of the 21st century. Are there any parallels there? Um, 
I, I don't know. That's not for me to decide. I, I wouldn't. I'm not even knowledgeable enough to make that. But I mean, I think there there might be there might be uh, subgenres and and parallels for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, get back to me at the 30th anniversary of the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show because you were on the 11th anniversary. I don't know if you remember that, but you were on the 11th anniversary. We had the 11th because we forgot the 10. I keep saying that over and over again. But you were on the 11th, and I remember you came out here and you asked for me to play my moist interview. You requested my moist interview. <laughs> You were part of that crew. Right I think on. you, Brian Weezer, and Kurt Dahl came out to request my moist interview. If anybody has any requests, Nardwar at Nardwar.com. Again, we're speaking to Mark Kleins Kleiner, doing an introduction here now for Enough's Enough. This was, for us, basically the ending, and it's the ending of this conversation. This was the ultimate, to be able to speak to Enough's Enough, wasn't it, Mark Kleins Kleiner? It was. So I hope your listeners enjoy it. And again, thank you, and I'll see you in 2011 for our next uh, Monkeys uh, interview. Okay, well, thanks much, Mark, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Do-do. All right, see ya. See ya. Here's an interview now with Enough's Enough from November 28th, 1997. One, two, three, four! You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. And we are happy to have on the line Chips Enough. Are you there, Chip? I'm right here in Seattle, my friend. We are so excited to have you here live on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. As I was saying to you, off-air, Chip, every interview we've done here live at CITR, we always mention Enough's Enough. We were so worried we wouldn't get a hold of you, but you phoning in has just made our day here today, Chip. Thank well, you. Well, thank you very much. We're very flattered that you're, you're going to accept us into your country. 
We're looking forward to a great performance on Sunday. And Chip, I would like to introduce you right off to my co-host here today, Mark Kleiner. He's in a band called Jungle that are actually going to be backing you up on Sunday night. He actually has seen a few of your shows, but he's the one that has turned me on to Enough's Enough. Mark, go ahead. My heart's in my mouth. This is a real, real thrill, Chip. Well, Mark, it's a total pleasure uh, being on the radio with you guys. Uh, it's been such a long time since we played that area. I think the last time we played Vancouver was 1991. We uh, were hanging out with Bob Rock out there, actually. He was trying to drag us out to some strip clubs out there. We played at a place called Club Soda. Right. So it's, it's been a long time. I think we went through there maybe a, a, a couple months after that on a tour with the Nelson guys playing some kind of some big stadium out there. Play. I don't even know where it was yet. It was a, uh, one of them kind of amusement parks you guys had out there where you have rock concerts at. The P&E thing. Yeah, that was real nice. So you played us. on the Strength Tour then? Yeah, it was on the Strength Tour, that's correct. And right now we'd like to play your little theme song. Let's see if you recognize this there, Chips Enough. And this is a... Mark, this really is Enough's Enough. Can you believe this, Mark? Mark I'm... Uh, this, uh, here we go. And then you party with poison. that nice? What's going on there, Chips Enough? True story. The guys, the guys I loaned my 12-string bass to the guys in Danger Danger, and uh, I, I normally don't do that. I bought the bass off the guys in Cheap Trick. I have a 12-string bass guitar I play, and uh, it's, it's an interesting instrument, and a lot of guys uh, like to play around with it, so I loaned it to the guys, and I guess they paid homage to us by putting our name in one of their songs. Was that 12-string stolen? It was stolen on a Chicago a, a gig in Chicago a couple of years ago, but it was found again uh, oh, great. a while later, and uh, I'm playing. I've been playing it ever since. I'll bring it, I'm bringing it to Vancouver with me. And again, this is Chips Enough of the band Enough's Enough playing Sunday night at Studebaker's with Jungle. Now, speaking of chi a, chi a cheap trick, there, Chip. We actually, you know, like I say, every band we interview, we always mention Enough's Enough. And we interviewed the band Cheap Trick, and we asked about Enough's Enough to Tom Peterson. And and what a time he say to you. Well, this is what he said. If you hold on, we'll just play this clip right now. This is Tom Peterson talking about enough's enough. It's, it's kind of sad almost, like enough's enough. You know, Speaking the of bad luck, but a band that stays together and has now been thrown off the Cheap Trick tribute album after they did Everything Works If You Let It. Oh. Enough's Enough were kicked off the album after being kicked out of the Howie Stern movie. These guys... How'd you, know, how'd you hear about that? It's on the webpage again. We're told, those guys were never on there. They just, they just I think... They wanted to record it, or did it on their own, and then didn't, you know. But it's kind of, isn't it kind of... Nobody wanted them on there, so... Isn't it kind of sad, though, Tom Peterson of Cheap Trick? Like, poor Enough's Enough. Like, they were, you know, they were keeping the Chicago spirit alive. Enough's Enough, they're amazing. I thought that was Smashing Pumpkins that kept it alive. And also... The other enough's Enough is trying to kill it. What? You, you're not a big Enough's Enough. Chips Enough plays a 12-string hammer bass. These guys love you guys. Oh, that may be. But Jeffrey Dahmer loved us, too, so I can't go by that. Oh. What is going on there, Chip? Um, sounds to me like a shortcut to thinking. I, no kidding. We were shocked when Tom... Pe have you talked to Tom Peterson recently at all? No, I haven't seen Tom recently, and uh, I'm sure he does, uh, you know, by the way he's talking, he's not really interested in seeing me. Hey, Chip, you know what happened a month later, though? It's like instant karma, red ant folds. I wish those guys the best. I mean, I'm a big fan of both you guys' bands, but... Well, one I thing you, but that, that Tom should learn uh, after all these years of in the music business, and, you know, we do know that Tom, uh, being with the great band Cheap Trick for years, 
he was fired because of his uh, extracurricular activity, but he, he cleaned himself up, and and I got to give him credit there. There's, uh, you know, he's came a long way. But uh, Cheap Trick right now, and enough's enough. That uh, I've always paid homage. The band has always paid respect to Cheap Trick. But uh, I think Cheap Trick is, uh, you know, they made enough great songs and enough great records, and they, there's no, one, I don't think there's any need to critique them guys. And if they're an older band, I think they were the new and up-and-coming guys. But you were, like, keeping the spirit of Cheap Trick alive all those years. Like, all these bands, these, these alternative bands, these Johnny-come-latelys, enough's enough, you were doing it all the time, don't you? And Carrying the message of love. And then, you did, did you hear Mark try to defend you there at all, Chip? Yes, I did. Like, Mark's coming to you, he's like, what? What's going on here? We, I just couldn't believe that they were saying that about Enough's Enough. Um, so how are things going right now with Enough's Enough? You're playing tonight in Seattle, but how are, th- like, you're coming to Vancouver on Sunday at the Studebakers. How are things going right now? Uh, the tour's been going good. We just finished up with, uh, we were out for two weeks with Jimmy's Chicken Shack and a band called Jackal, and we toured around the country with them, and then we went and did a bunch of gigs of our own. And now we're getting ready to go back out with Doc. And, and Eddie Money, too. Didn't you just play with him at the... We did a couple of shows with Eddie Money. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He was nice enough to take us out for two or three shows with him. And, um, so you toured with Doc and for how long? Uh, Doc, we're going to be out with them for a week. Uh, most, of this, most of the tour is going to be uh, basically us guys playing two and a half, three hours of our own material. We have seven albums out, so I think it's in our best interest for enough stuff to go out and try to play as many songs as we can off all of our albums. Chip, um, of Chips, uh, Chip, of Chips Enough, of Enough Snuff playing Sunday at Studebakers. When we played that theme song by Danger Danger, um, they kind of give props out to Enough Snuff. Didn't a tribe called Quest also give props out to Enough Snuff? Uh, tribe called Quest also. There's a band called The Wild, uh, Wild Hearts over in Europe. They just covered one of our songs, Time let you go. Nelson's recorded two songs on their new album. Um, and there's a, we just did a song for Jerry Maguire, of course. We were on the Jerry Maguire movie, bringing that home off our third album, Animals of Human Intelligence. What scene is that in? Um, I don't even know. What about Red Cross? Do you ever meet those guys at all? I don't know the guys in Red Cross, uh, but I like their band. Was it true that a long time ago, Chips Enough, that you guys were chosen by deaf kids to play for a deaf school because you looked so good? Uh, that's correct. We had a hit video on MTV. They were playing us a lot. We were totally blessed. We just we put our record out, and for some reason, MTV grabbed onto one of our songs and started playing it. And we got asked uh, by a college uh, in Washington called Gallaudet University. Gallaudet University, it's a deaf college. 6,000 kids came out to see Enough's Enough at 2 o'clock in the morning. Because Mark was just saying earlier that he couldn't believe a band like yourself was looking the way you did in 1993. Like, you guys were, you guys didn't sell out. Mark, remember when you discovered the band? That's I discovered you guys when the Animals uh, stuff came out. Like, I was a bit late, you know, come lately. But I just thought it was great that a band, you know, was looking this good in 1993 and sticking to their guns. And saying in interviews, why, you know, he said exactly as it is, why should we change how we look, you know? our fa- We are who we are. Fans know us as we are. And all the other bands were, like, you know, dropped like the kind of the colorful, positive kind of peace vibe type spirit, you know what I mean? And posing on all these kind of like, you know, like kind of dreary duds, but you guys are kind of like, you know, barreling right on through. Well, I think that's the only thing we know how to do is to write songs and, and, and to tour. And we're very blessed in the position that we're in. Come on, seven albums we've put out now. And we have one in the can right now. Uh, getting back to your Cheap Trick tribute record we were talking about earlier, um, we were asked by the record company to do that song. And we talked. To, I called up the guys in Cheap Trick and asked them what they thought of it. And the head A&R guy who put the whole thing together, his name is Frankie LaRocca. And Peterson wouldn't know about this because he doesn't really do business in the band. Frankie LaRocca asked us if we wanted to do the song. So Epic Records paid us $5,000 to go in the studio and record one song. $5,000 to us guys is a gold mine. We, we record songs for 100 bucks. So we went in the studio. We recorded everything works if you let it. 
I, I turned Rick Nielsen and, and, uh, and um, Rob and Xander on to it, and they both wanted to come down and play guitar and sing on it. We said, well, it's a cheap trick tribute record. Maybe we should just leave it authenticity and just keep it ourselves without putting the cheap trick guys on there. Then we found out later on that uh, that the people that were putting the record out thought that maybe it would be in the best interest of the record company to just put alternative bands on there, and I guess we didn't fit into the alternative mode. So we're going to take that song, and it's going to be one of the tracks, a bonus track on our newest album. It's called Paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. It'll be out uh, March or April of next year. And before that, of course, we'll have our, our live album out. In Japan first, right? Japan first. It comes out here February 10th. Mark actually special ordered Peach Fuzz for 57 bucks. Mark Klein, also in the band Jungle, playing with you guys, Enough's Enough. We're speaking here to Enough's Enough, Chips Enough, live from Seattle, but you're playing Sunday night at Studebaker's. Mark paid 57 bucks for Peach Fuzz. And at this last gig, you guys played in Seattle. Do you remember the China Club at all? Playing sure I do. Mark actually went down there twice. First time, Mark, you went down there, you didn't even play, right, Mark? Yeah, the first time I went down there, we had a show. I was playing with some other people, and I blew off the show to go down and see the gig and um, I guess the tour was held back a month or something like that at that point. Right. But then, but then Mark went down again and he was the mirror at your last gig. I don't know if you remember him, but he was mouthing every single lyric way up front. Right, Mark? It was awesome. I went down uh, with uh, three people who'd never really listened to Enough's Enough, including a film student and a hip-hop fan and everyone came back converted, just gushing. It I was, love it. It's a rock and roll salvation show for sure. Um, Mark, really, it's been, a, it's been a special mission to make Enough's Enough great. Now, we also interviewed Jerry Miller of Metal Edge magazine. Have you ever met her before? Yes, I have met Jerry Miller. And this is what Jerry Miller had to say about Enough's Enough. Or how about Donnie Vi um, taking crazy glue and crazy gluing a woman's genitalia because she pissed in his bed? Oh, that's gross. <laughs> like that Donnie I don't Va have any stories like that. Oh, oh, come on, Jerry. The, I, I know, they don't tell me stuff. Does Donny Vi of Enough's Enough? Are you into Enough's Enough at all? What's not, happening with... Not that much. I mean, what? I like that first record. But, but, but Tweet got slagged horribly in your magazine. I, I didn't I, write that review. But I know right. you didn't. I know you didn't. How and, do you and, feel about the album? So-so. Do you think they're being a little, like, Alice in Chains bandwagon-esque on, like, tracks like Stoned? Or do you think... Uh, I don't know. I just didn't get the songs that much this time. I like their previous... Strength was, was beautiful, better. though, don't Strength you think? Was, Strength was a good record, yeah. So what's going on there? Is it true about the Madonna and the genitalia rumor there at all, Chip? I think that some of these stories get blown out of proportion. That's, what I, that's, that's the best way for me to answer this, and to be totally honest. Um, uh, that sounds like a shortcut to thinking again. And it doesn't matter. As long as people talk about us, we're pretty flattered, actually. And Jerry Miller, when the band had, uh, had success at radio and at... MTV, she was right there kissing our asses. And then now that we're still struggling, but we're putting all these records out, she doesn't have time to listen to us because she's trying to grab on to the next new big thing so her magazine can stay in, in print. And uh, that's the only way I look at that, because we've never turned our back on any of these uh, radio people or, uh, or journalists in the country. We've always been totally great with them and very accessible. And I think we got a great name like that, and I, it's unfortunate that um, people are just going with the times and seeing what's what's fashionable and what's the flavor of the month because we have never went away, and our stuff will be. I don't think our music is biodegradable. I think you're going to be hearing a lot of us whether you like it or not. Well, just between you and me and 1.5 million listeners, there, Chip. What about genitalia and crazy glue? Just a little bit of story for us. I think they both go together in some ways. <laughs> uh, you know, my 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 personal preferences is uh, I don't need crazy glue. What about the Private Parts soundtrack? Howie Stern is a big fan of you guys, I understand. How come you weren't on the Private Parts soundtrack? Well, I was told, we tried to get on it, believe it or not, and we thought it was a done deal, and then we were told by Howard's people that 
the movie depicts Howard up to his life up to 1986. He didn't even know enough enough until 1990. So uh, that's their excuse. I know why we're not in it. Look at the soundtrack. It's got Ozzy, Marilyn Manson, White Zombie, Trick. It's got stuff that's you know ACDC. It, uh, it's it's it guaranteed success. But in many a soundtrack like that, why would you want to put something new on there? When that movie was coming out, Howard was scared to death because of that movie bomb that would have hurt him real bad too. So he was just grabbing anything he could grab onto that was a guaranteed uh, uh, credibility. And we obviously, in his mind, we weren't. Has he been to any of your shows recently? Howard. Yeah. He's in bed at 9 o'clock at night. We don't even go on stage till 10. <laughs> have you ever talked to him recently, though? Have you, have you We're done going it? on the show next week. Because how exactly haven't Enough's Enough been shafted? You've taken a, lot of, taken a lot of hard knocks, it seems, you know, not getting on soundtracks. You've been keeping the spirit of metal alive all those years, a chip of Enough's Enough's playing Sunday night at Studebaker's with Mark's band Jungle. How have you not been, sh like, what good luck has happened recently? Because, like, Jerry Miller's saying she's confused by her image, Tom Peterson. What do you, like, how, you know, what, what, what how, how have you kept it real all these years. We kept it real because that's exactly what we are. A real band that goes in the studio, sings and plays at the same time, goes out in concerts, no tapes, no sequencers, sings and plays and writes the songs. We do it all. We don't need any machines or anybody to help us do that kind of stuff. And we're just flattered to be in a position where there's people there that still like the stuff that we're writing. We've always wore influences probably in our sleeve, whether our favorite stars want to slag us like Cheap Trick or not. We know that we're the real McCoy. We know that our band is as strong as their band, if not stronger. And, you know, them guys hit our day and a Sunday. We're king of the hill. We've never been king of the hill. We're just a bunch of four. We're four guys from the south side of Chicago who believe in miracles. That's a, uh, Oh, that's, that's beautiful. That I, used, I, I just tell you, telling you, Chip, last time I saw you, I used to live in Chicago, went to race school. And, I mean, there's almost tears. You guys, I mean, I got to say, personally, you guys have changed my life. And, um... Your music really touches people very deeply. And it has really rubbed up on me here as well at CITR, their chip, because every interview again with every band we do, we always mention Enough's Enough. And here's us mentioning Enough's Enough to Danger Danger. Did you ever, like, when you're, like, partying with Enough's, Enough's Enough at all, you must have, did you ever partake in any orgies with them? Like, you're rolling around, you know, Dr. Ravel of Danger Danger, and suddenly, like, you just clasp on to, like, Chips Enough Rod? No, actually, we never, we never hung out with, with Enough's Enough, but we did hang out with other bands. Well, you never had any kind of like experiences like that, like oh my God, what am I doing with? Not with, not with enough's enough. No, they were, they would always, they always like, you know, they're great guys and they, I love their records and I love them to death, but they're a little bit strange with that. No, you never gone. They involved. don't like to share. <laughs> they don't. They just, no, no. They you, just smoke pot, right? What's the story behind that, Chip? You don't like to share with Danger Danger? It sounds to me like they're jealous. No, Dell. I think they tried to ape you on that second album. What was that song they did right before the rap song? That was a total. Well, it was kind of it was a Beatlesque, but it was obviously where they were ripping off you guys. It was that kind of that uh, started off with that. You know the one I mean, the ballad on that. album? Uh, there's so many bands out there either covering our stuff or, or been influenced by our music and, and wear it probably on their sleeves. That I mean, there's too many to think of. It's like I, I don't have time to do that. There's just so many bands out there. We're just really grateful that they want to play our songs and cover us. And if they want to rip us off. It's fine, too. We're not it's mad flattering. about that. And speaking of that, um, Chip of Chips Enough playing Sunday night at Studebaker's with Mark, your band, Jungle. You'll be, Mark, you have a song, actually, in honor of Cheap Trick, don't you? No, no uh, of Enough's Enough. Enough's Enough as well, too. Sorry, we got an In honor of Enough's Enough. What is that song? What do you tell, what do you tell Chip about that? I wrote a song called Common Blood that we recorded on our new album. And, um, yeah, we'll be playing it down at Studebaker's. And uh, just in tribute to 
all the Mark is like to so into you guys, Chip, that even we even make up. Well, we'll check this out. This is a clip of us talking to Eric of Cinderella. This is us talking to Eric of Cinderella about Enough's Enough, live on CITR with Chip of Chip's Enough. There was an ad over the summer in one of the um, heavy metal trade papers that you guys were possibly going to be playing um, an unplugged session with Tangier, Enough's Enough, and Cinderella all together. I've never heard that. It was in Puyallup, <laughs> Washington. This was and we were wondering why. It, this was in July. Yeah, this was a Cinderella Tangier Enough's Enough cake. Uh, that that was a rumor. <laughs> that was just a rumor. Yeah, because yeah, okay. uh, Tangier's over. Like they've been they've been split up for like a couple years. Right. You know, some best friends with Doug Gordon, like you know, and yeah, and okay. enough that I and I've and I and I've, I think I've met those guys once, but <laughs> yeah, enough, enough's enough. Actually, apparently, cover one of your songs once around the ride. No way. Yeah, we do. <laughs> or do you think you guys are gonna like return a favor and maybe cover one of their songs when you play in Vancouver at the Commodore? I'm so there we have it, Eric of Cinderella. What do you think about that there, Chip of Chips Enough? Eric's a liar, because if you listen to one of their songs, and their sec I think it's their second album, Chipsy Rose, they're ripping off New Thing. And the reason I even say that is because we were in the studio recording our first album, and they were in there uh, at Alpine Valley doing a live concert, and... The guys in the band came over. They heard our stuff in the studio. They came to check out the studio. Then they heard our music. They were blown away, and they said, hey, can we have a copy of them songs to listen to on the bus, even though you guys don't have a record deal yet? We said, sure, buddy. We didn't know any better. We gave them a tape. A year and a half later, they came out with Gypsy Rose. Exact same riff as New Thing. That's true. Do-do-do-do-do. So uh, Cinderella, they've sold a lot of records. They've done very well. God bless them, guys. We whip their asses anytime <laughs> we want to get on stage with us, guys. We sing and play. they got to have a guy backstage with a little keyboard doing harmonies because they can't do it themselves. They should not sling mud if they live in a glass house. Thank you so much for phoning in. Chip, enough of Enough's Enough. Really exciting to have you on the show here today. Like I say, every interview we do, we always mention Enough's Enough, and it really, it's due to Vancouver, to one person right here. And if I made this pause for a second here and say, Mark Kleiner, you really made it in this town for Enough's Enough. You've really broken these guys, haven't you, Mark? It was nothing. It was Mark, really nothing. Mark, I want to thank you, and I want to thank all your listeners. You guys are great out there. We were looking forward to playing for all you Canucks, and... Uh, it's going to be a great show. Bring out your peace signs and paisleys because it's going to be like a mini indoor Woodstock without the mud when we get out there. Hey, Chip, I have one last question. I have about 10 people asking me this all week. Okay, Mark. Can you play Wheels? Yeah, it'll be in the set. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yay. Yay. Well, thanks so much, Chips. Enough of Enough Snuff playing Sunday night. Playing Sunday night at Studebaker's Club. That's Sunday night at Studebaker's in Burnaby with Jungle. Mark's band opening up. And that's Sunday at Studebaker's. An early show. Get there early. Only seven bucks at the door. Keep on rocking. In the f well, why should people care about Enough's Enough first? Why should people care about Enough's Enough, Chips Enough? Well, first of all, because we're very respectful to your wonderful country. We're thankful and grateful you're letting us come in there and play a concert in your town. It's a great rock and roll audience out there. We haven't been there in four or five years, and you got the best hockey teams I can think of. All right, well, keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. All right, thanks, Chips. Keep on rocking in the free world. Peace to all you guys. Okay, peace bye. on you. Peace. Wow, what do you think about that, Mark? What do you think about that? Are we still on air? Yeah, we're still on air. I mean, this is enough's enough. We've mentioned... You were a bit um, kind of scared there when I played those clips, weren't you? Well, yeah, I mean, it was... 
It was it was very intense. It was that was very... chips enough of enough's enough. Sorry, I called him cheap trick. I didn't mean to. Well, you know, uh, I didn't mean to admit he was really quite down on some of those guys, wasn't he? Well, like they he were down on one him. guy a liar. He didn't really like cheap trick. He had a Howard Stern thing isn't well, working too well. They've been fucked over by everybody. It's just crap. You know what I mean? Like they make these great records and just people keep on dicking them around. And someone like Tom Peterson comes on and uh, you know someone like one of his mentors. You know, slag and slag and a great band like Enough's Enough just because they're not trendy anymore. And we promise to listeners, we promise we will never sign to a major label. We promise, as in the band Jawbreaker, we'll never sign to a major label. Actually, they already did. We promise Enough is Enough. This is the end of metal. Right now, I'm ripping up this glossy 8x10 of Chips Enough. It's over. It's over. Mark, the metal is over on an Ardwater Human Survival Radio Show. Years, no more Vain. No more Slick Toxic. No more Cinderella. No more Skid Row. Not Warrant Twice. Not Danger Danger. Not Jerry Miller. Not Iron Maiden. Cheap Trick Rat. No, enough is enough. We're, that's it. No more metal. Right, Mark? That's it. Time to kiss except the clown and go home. Except maybe Sunday night at the Studebakers. <laughs> so why don't we begin this new transition on an Ardwater Human Survival Radio Show, this end of an era with your band, Mark. We're going to usher in the new era with your band doing a tribute to Enough's Enough. Why don't you say a little bit about this tune right here? It's a track called Common Blood. Any, any background on it? Uh, we'll be playing on Sunday night. Well, thanks for coming out to the Nardwadi Human Serviet Radio Show here. Mark Kleiner of the band Jungle. And thank for, you know, turning me on to Enough's Enough and turning on the listeners of CITR to Enough's Enough, as we've mentioned for the past three years in every interview we've ever done. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, do-do-do-do. Do-do. <laughs> 